The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Twenty twenty three. May the clerk please call the roll. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Councilmember Scott Benson. Scott Benson, aye. Councilmember Mary Waters. Present. Three are present. You have a quorum, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. We did receive the minutes from our last committee, which was on Monday, February 13th. Is there a motion to approve our minutes? Without objection, we were approving our minutes for Monday, February 13th. I don't have any uh, chair remarks today, so we're going to just move us right along into our public comments. Just do want to make a note that we do have a 10-15 public hearing today. So if you're here to make general public comment, please raise your hand now. I will be cutting off public comment at 10-10. If you are here in person, I believe we have one person here in person for public comments. And then again, anybody that's online that would like to give public comment, please raise your hand now. I will be cutting off public comment at 10-10 before we jump into our 10-15 public <coughs> hearing today. Ms. Mitchell, how many hands do we have raised online? Madam Chair, we have 10 hands raised at this time. Okay. And again, this is noting that this is just general public comments. Given that we have 10 hands raised and we have a 10-15 public hearing, I'm going to give everybody a minute and a half. If we can change the time to a minute and a half. Hmm so that we allow ourselves enough time for anyone that's discussing today for who's calling in for the public comment uh, for the public hearing at 1015. So just once again, folks, we're going we're to do public comment, general public comment now. Please raise your hands if you're here for general public comment. And if you would like to make a comment for the 1015 public hearing, lower your hand and we will call on you when it's time to discuss our 1015 public hearing. With that, we'll begin with here with our uh, people in, in person. Remember, whenever you're ready, we have your time. Whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and begin. Just state your name for the public. Okay, I'm, today I'm over with. Now, it may not be illegal, but it's unethical to ask for a pay raise of the commission who doesn't hire the council. The residents vote and hire the council. The residents' tax dollars pay the council. Therefore, only the residents should be the ones deciding on whether or not council deserves a raise if they haven't earned it. In addition, it is totally unacceptable for the council to get increases in pay while the city workers get no increase in pay. Now, speaking to the contract number 6005050, which uh, Gary Brown is here today to discuss. This is a $25 million contract going to a company in Big Bend, Wisconsin. Now, I would ask that the council hold this and bring it back for two weeks to allow the residents of the black residents here in the city to bring forth a proposal to participate in this $25 million contract 
for the water department to replace the lead lines here in the city, black majority city of Detroit. Now, Miller Canfield was not called forth to explain this nonsense regarding the bond issue, even though David Whitaker copped a plea, Irv Corley stated that revenue bonds don't require notice, and uh, Chairman Durhall has no idea, and you were here, Ms. Santiago Ramirez, Thank has you. no idea about UTGO bonds and LTGO bonds. Thank you, Mr. Overt. That's your time. Thank you for coming in. Uh, if the clerk can please note that we've been joined by Member Calloway. So noted. Ms. Mitchell, if you wouldn't mind getting us started with our online public comments, I will be calling our public hearing at 10.15, just a note, but you can go ahead and begin with our online public commenters. Madam Chair, the first caller is Brother Kenningham. Caller is Tahira Ahmed. Good morning, Council. Um, I'm representing Detroit uh, Affordable Housing Task Force. We are vehemently opposed to another billionaire scheme and theft of our public land and resources that are needed to support our schools, libraries, stolen homes, wealth, and rental resources. The Ross Illich ripoff team and schemes has only enriched these billionaires while costing poor Detroit's prime land and resources for generations to come to support our libraries. Detroit used to be and used to have the largest black home ownership in the United States after the theft of $600 million of illegal property taxes and thousands of legacy homes stolen through illegal foreclosures. Now Detroit is the largest black renter city in the United States, yet billionaires keep coming to us begging for more welfare. Billionaires invest 
your money instead of our future. City of City Council, vote no. Stand up for uh, for our children. Illages have hundreds of properties just uh, sitting undeveloped. They never uh, respect or honor the uh, community benefits agreements. Never. And now they don't fulfill their uh, other community benefits agreements that they have right now. We demand you fulfill your prior agreements plus pay reparations, Illiches and Ross. We want to preserve the land. And the next caller is William Davis. William Davis, you have a minute and a half, and I would also like to cut public comments. Public comment is now cut off. Good morning. This is William M. Davis. I'd like to first off uh, let the council know that the Detroit NAN, I'm the president of Detroit National Action Network, is hosting a digital equity tour in each of the seven city council districts. We're going to be starting February 28th at Focus Hope from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. We're going to be signing people up to get uh, credit, tax credits that's available under the Biden Build Back Valley program. And we're going to be doing this in every district. We're going to try to make more Detroiters have, you know, uh, to get the credit. Also, we're going to be registering more people to vote. We want to make sure our voting numbers jump. Also, as a second thing, I, I, I want to say that I think it's horrible that city council could get their third pay increase since the Detroit bankruptcy but has not even tried to return one penny to the city of Detroit retirees. Um, th this is horrible. You know, at the very least, city council and the mayor can get together and ask for a waiver. And they have received waivers in the past as relates to stuff in the so-called grand theft bargain. But the city retirees, at the very least, you get a cost of living adjustment. You know, th that was stolen from us retroactive back to July, I mean, to June 30th, uh, 2013, you know, so coming up, our, our cost of living been gone for 10 years. So this city council should do something. We're watching you. Thank you. The next caller is Karen Winston. Hello. Yes, well, we can hear you. Okay, yeah, good. Um, I like Mr. Davis said, uh, pensions. We need to get our um, we need that our adjustments back. Um, absolutely, you can get a waiver. You just gave the uh, police department a big twenty three million dollar increase. That was part of the plan of adjustment. So either you're violating it or you're being, um, you know, you're, uh, you know, singling out. Uh, older retirees. I hope it's not that. It seems to be, though. Now, Governor uh, uh, Whitmer, she gave $750 million to, to local um, pension funds. Did the city, did we get any? Because we need it, since uh, the mayor said he can't do it. Governor certainly can do it. Another thing is the, um, the uh, over- assessments you guys can fix it it's in the charter you can all you have to do is change it doesn't take a miracle it takes you to say no we you've overassessed the taxpayers give it back that's all you gotta do and they will do it because you run the show after we let you 
I just want to say that. Thanks a lot. You guys, uh, uh, I'll wait for the next uh, hearing because I really don't think that um, the water department should be running the city's water. The next caller is caller ending in 711. Good morning, Malik Shelton. Council, do not allow Deputy CFO John Niglet to deceive you. Revenue bonds pursuant to Act 94 of the Revenue Bond Act, Section 141.133, they require notices. Also, refunding bonds, they also require notices to the public and to the taxpayers pursuant to Public Act 34, Section 611, which requires refunding bonds to have a public notice in a newspaper of general circulation informing the residents of a public hearing, a public hearing that must be scheduled 30 days after the notice for the public hearing is put in that newspaper of general circulation. Refunding bonds also require a notice of resolution by the city council of a majority vote of the council approving that particular refunding bond. This is required as a safeguard to keep the mayor and his CFO from kicking the can down the road on these refunding bonds. Refunding bonds are supposed to reduce costs. So this is why they must be public. The notices must be public. The people must be a part of it, as well as the council. The council has to issue a resolution on those refunding bonds. Those, re those refunding bonds re require at least two, two notices, as well as a resolution by the, by the uh, council. Don't let John Naglet blow smoke on y'all. I would like to call our 1015 public hearing and recess until the call of the chair. Ms. Mitchell, who's next? The next caller is whosoever. Good morning, council. Uh, may, can, may I be heard? Yes, yes you may. Um, 5.1, I think that's on your agenda today. Is that for the bus or is it 6.1? Uh, the bus agenda for the riders. And I think this is a long time coming since you are the head of the 6.1, since you are over the public health and safety committee. And you've heard numerous reports from Mr. Cunningham and others about the condition of the riders on the bus. You know that they are underpaid. Um, we have $230 million in surplus, and I absolutely insist that we not let the mayor choose where that money is spent. Let the budget process work its way out, put the money in the budget in the, in the, for the next year, and we can fill some gaps. And we don't want any more of our money going for demolition until we have used up the proposition in money, of which you are part of delaying with all of the times that you have all of these emergency demolitions on your list that use up all of the resources that proposition in dollars should be using to remove the blight. And then not long after that, you'll have a lot of rescinding. If a, if, if a house is on the demolition list, it is dangerous and it should be taken down. That's why it's there. Putting them on and taking them off is a game. Uh, 
council members. And some people see the game uh, and, and you're playing into the game and we're sick of it. The next caller is Todd Scott, Detroit Greenways Coalition. Good morning. I'm just uh, calling in to say we support uh, agenda item 711, the MDOT grant to rebuild roads around uh, Eastern Market. Uh, glad to hear that DPW is going to keep the existing bike lanes on St. Albans and repaving St. Albans between Mac and Canfield. Um, they're in bad shape, and it would be uh, uh, great to see those um, repaved through this grant project. Thank you. The next caller is caller number ending in 534. Yes, good morning. May I be heard? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, so can you start the clock now uh, when I start speaking? You've been speaking. Okay, so let's please start the clock now. Miembro Santiago Romero, favor de traducir los partes en español después. Nadie es dueño de la verdad cuando no se sufre en carne propia las injusticias. I have a poem today for everybody regarding public health and safety. Roses are red, violets are blue. Hey, all Detroit City Council members, I hope Hubbard Richard residents and their health matters to you. You are a co-equal branch of government. You control most land sales in the public purse. So please slow down West Jefferson land deal and negotiate so Hubbard Richard residents don't end up prematurely with cancer or in a hearse. Uh, if we are going to have council representation by district, then please respect your colleagues' wishes. Otherwise, please find another job. How about in a restaurant and go wash dishes? I am tired of hearing and watching residents' desires and please be disrespected, yet the millionaires and billionaires never seem to get rejected. Miembro Santiago Romero lucha para su gente, entonces es tiempo para respetar a su gente. And as Cindy Dara said, the Illiches can go mortgage their own property. And Stephen Ross, they got lots of property. They should mortgage their property instead of do their, their stuff off our backs and don't turn the Fox Theater into a host. The last caller before you cut off public comment is Siri. Siri, if you can hear us, you're being moved over as a panelist. Please unmute yourself. You have a minute and a half. Or maybe it's pronounced Siri. No, 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 that's correct. But for some reason, can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Okay, thank you. Um, touching on some of the comments made by Brother Cunningham and others, about transit as well as how funds are collected and distributed. I am not understanding why instead of promoting a bond for developers who have the money for their own development, council does not 
present a resolution to return the pension losses to Detroit employees, which will benefit the city more because these people pay taxes, unlike the developers that we keep giving money hand over fist with no return to the city. In the meanwhile, I also feel that the uh, DDOT bus drivers deserve a serious reward and raise for their professional service. The safety that's been a great concern of riders on buses is largely dependent on our DDOT drivers who can have as many as a hundred lives in their hands and yet they're in deadly danger on their job. Do something for the Detroiters who support Detroit, not to the developers who are destroying it for a profit. That was the end of public comment, Madam Chair. Thank you, Ms. Mitchell. And thank you everybody who called in today. We really appreciate it. We're gonna move on now to our 1015 public hearing. I'd like to call our 1015 public hearing. Our 1015 public hearing, this is a proposed ordinance from Council President Sheffield and member Whitfield Calloway to amend chapter 47 of the 2019 Detroit City Code, transportation for hire by adding article 10, electric personnel, mobility devices, division one, generally section 47-10-1, definitions, section 47-10-2, administration and enforcements, section 47-10-3, responsibility for violations, section 47-10-4, Violations, administrative remedies permitted, section 47-10-5, registry and reporting of alleged violations and section 47-10-6, abandonments, obstruction, removal, storage, and disposition, division two, shared mobility permits, section 47-10-11, permit required, section 47-10-12, permit fee, section 47-10-14, permit term, effective date, and expiration. Section 47-10-14, issuance of permits. Section 47-10-15, promulgation of parameters and minimum requirements for evaluation of shared mobility permits applications. And section 47-10-16, application for permits, division three. Responsibilities of owners of shared fleets and operators of electric personnel de mobility devices. Section 47-10-31, digital platform. Section 47-10-32, customer support services. Section 47-10-33, identification, maintenance, and repair. Section 47-10-34, deployments. Section 47-10-35, geofencing. Section 47-10-36, interference with other mobility permittees. Section 47-10-37, Operator Education, Community Engagement, Participation in Mobility Initiatives. Section 47-10-38, Data Sharing. Section 47-10-39, Issue Insurance Requirements. And Section 47-10-40, in Dinmini and Division 4, Technical, Operational, and 
parking st standards for shared electric personnel mobility devices, section 47-10-51, applicability, section 47-10-52, construction and maintenance standards, section 47-10-53, displays of information, Section 47-10-54, geolocation. Section 47-10-55, mobility as a service accessibility. Section 47-10-56, remote or automatic incapacitation. Section 47-10-57, approved areas of operation restriction. Section 47-10-58, temporary suspension of operations by director. Section 47-10-58, 59, operation and compliance with traffic laws and other safety requirements, and section 47-10-60, shared electric personnel mobility device parking standards to require permitting for making shared electric personnel mobility devices available for hire, and to establish technical, operational, and parking standards for such shared electric personnel mobility devices. Member Calloway, thank you for joining us. I will defer to you. Thank you so much, um, Madam Chair. Just have a quick statement. I want to thank you for reading the, um, the ordinance. It was my privilege or the privilege of my office to reintroduce the e-scooter ordinance to service multiple goals. As we're exploring ways to encourage business enterprise in the city, we must be village, vigil, vigilant that we're on top of the responsible proliferation and use of new technology in our city. It is our hope that regulating e-scooter operations will hold users and operators accountable for responsible usage. Additionally, we also hope that this will encourage uses, usage of multimodal transportation to reduce our car carbon footprint in the city of Detroit and encourage investment into improving our infrastructure to support new means of transportation. Over the course of almost five months, our office has had meaningful conversations with the Office of Mobility, Innovation, and with operators who have pledged to engage the community and be responsible stakeholders. We look forward to working together with all stakeholders moving forward. I would like to thank Tim Slusser and his team for working so very hard on this, and also Council President Sheffield and her staff for working together with my team on this very important step forward. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Calloway. I do have a few questions um, since we're in discussion. Um, I know that we have law with us. Do we have anybody here from the Department of Transportation? Mr. Washington. Good morning, Madam Chair and Committee. Um, we do have Tim Slusser from the Office of Mobility if we can as well. On. Okay. Um, as well as, sorry, one moment here. I believe Sherelle Schreeder. If we can move them both over as panelists. And through the chair, Graham Anderson Law Department, if we could also add um, attorney Dan, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I don't know his last name, but he should be in the queue uh, to, to add him as well to the discussion. Okay. Thank you. If we can move over Dan, attorney Dan. Thank you. As a panelist as well. Do we see a Dan online? Yes, okay.
All right, if you all wouldn't mind stating your names and titles for the public. Good morning, Madam Chair. Um, I'll start. I am Tim Slusser, Chief of Mobility Innovation here in the City of Detroit, uh, running Office of Mobility Innovation. Uh, I'll pass it over to Sherelle Streeter and then on to Daniel Arking. Thanks, Tim, and thanks, Madam Chair. My name is Sherelle Streeter, and I am a mobility strategist at the City of Detroit, Office of Mobility Innovation. I'll pass it to Daniel. Uh, good morning to the chair and the committee, Daniel Arking with the City Law Department um, in support of OMI's development of this ordinance. Thank you. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, so I read the description of the amended ordinance, but um, Chief Tim, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with the public what this ordinance actually means um, once it's enacted. Absolutely. And Madam Chair, uh, would you like me to give that description now? Or we, we did have a presentation prepared. Uh, that would that be goes wonderful. We can do a presentation. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Madam Chair. So uh, I'll ask my colleague, Sherelle Streeter, to uh, please uh, share her screen. She's got the presentation queued up. Um, and she and I together will be walking you all through uh, what is included in this ordinance, what is not included in this ordinance, uh, and the process uh, that we will take to evaluate uh, applications uh, for this. And so, all right, it looks like it has uh, come up on my screen. Can uh, I have someone in the room confirm that this uh, is visible to uh, everybody? Yes, we can see it. Thank you, Madam Chair. So um, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and get us started. And Sherelle, you can move us to the next slide, please. Um, so we, we have spent uh, a good amount of time uh, working with numerous departments within the city administration and others uh, to put together a, a scooter ordinance for here in the city of Detroit. Sorry, uh, that really Sorry to interrupt, Tim. Would you yes. mind, um, thank you so much, going full screen. That is much better. Thank you. Sorry again for interrupting. Not a problem at all. Thank you for, uh, for clarifying. So, all right. Okay, so thank you again. Um, so again, I'm Tim Slusser, uh, Chief of Mobility Innovation, uh, running the Office of Mobility Innovation. Uh, it's, it's part of our function here in the city of Detroit uh, to manage the day-to-day -day operations uh, of the scooter program since the scooters first arrived here uh, in Detroit uh, several years ago. Uh, what we have been doing for the last uh, several years has been what uh, has been kind of loose referred to as a pilot program uh, for scooters, okay? Uh, basically, what we have had has been a memorandum of interpretation between the existing laws uh, you know, here in the city of Detroit, uh, because none have been specific uh, to scooter operation directly, um, to kind of work with scooter operators that are here to say, this is kind of what our expectations are. If you, you know, operate outside these expectations, here's our interpretation of how we will leverage existing rules, which have been a little bit loose, to be honest with you, uh, in order to try and enforce public safety, okay? Um, so what you have before you today uh, is a new uh, ordinance that has been designed from the ground up to directly address this newer, okay, because it's been out for several years now, but this newer form of transportation uh, that it is clear to us it, it will not be, you know, disappearing uh, anytime soon. Um, and so what this ordinance does is it gives our Department of Public Works the formal authority to permit scooters within the city, okay? Um, OMI, my office, Office of Mobility Innovation, uh, will continue to oversee day-to-day -day operations. Uh, today, that is led by, by Sherelle, um, and she'll explain a little bit more uh, about that process um, when, when she speaks. 
Um, but uh, it gives DPW the formal authority, will continue in partnership with DPW to oversee dated operations. Uh, but DPW also gains the direct authority to suspend scooter companies for qualified reasons, right? Uh, if we have any bad actors, uh, if we have come to an agreement on what operating the city of Detroit will look like, and the scooter operator is not living up to their part uh, of that agreement, um, these would you know, be opportunities for the city of Detroit to um, either suspend or potentially even fully revoke their permit uh, and, and bring in an operator that you know, will uh, operate with good intent, okay? Um, the next thing is it establishes the formal ability to create and enforce both parking and geofencing zones, okay? Uh, a geofencing zone is a geographical boundary. Uh, it's, it's a digital boundary to be clear, um, but uh, we can create this, this digital geographical boundary. We can limit speeds. We can create no ride zones. Uh, we can do a number of things that actually protect the public health and safety. Imagine uh, a festival that's happening in the city of Detroit. I think it's pretty clear that we wouldn't want people on scooters racing through the middle of a festival. That could become uh, an issue for uh, you know, the visitors and pedestrians. Uh, so it gives us the ability to create these zones and enforce them. Uh, it also gives us the ability, which we don't have today, uh, to start to create parking zones and enforce them. Um, we looked at a number of models across uh, a number of uh, cities that have implemented uh, both scooter ordinances and parking. Um, we didn't see anything that we felt was the perfect cookie cutter fit for the city of Detroit just yet. Uh, so what we're asking for in this ordinance is to create the ability to uh, enforce parking zones while immediately launching a pilot program uh, here in the city of Detroit specific to parking of scooters, okay? Um, that would allow us to, to work with some of our uh, both internal and external stakeholders to figure out what the right mix for parking is, okay? Uh, there's a number of new technologies that are coming through from the scooter providers as well that could be leveraged for these types of things. Uh, so that's um, you know, part of what we're asking for here. Uh, so, so as it says here, we're looking to launch a, a parking zone pilot here in 2023 uh, and continue to work with those stakeholders around uh, you know, appropriate geofencing rules for speed and no ride zones. Um, the next thing it does is it empowers the city to address complaints from both residents uh, and stakeholders. Um, it will give the city the ability to require contact information clearly labeled on all vehicles, right, uh, and enforce that. Uh, we also have created a, a city email address dedicated to the scooter program uh, that we will uh, make live as soon as this ordinance passes, uh, which will give residents and, and stakeholders the opportunity to provide uh, feedback directly to uh, the city to my office, which will be shared with the Department of Public Works, uh, as well as, as I mentioned, you know, the contact information directly to the scooter companies that will be operating here. Um, the, the next thing is it enables the city to collect fees uh, from scooter companies, okay? So it costs money to maintain the scooter program and ensure, you know, public health and safety and ensure uh, that all the rules are being followed um, and ensure, you know, equitable outcomes. So uh, part of what we're looking for, and this is implemented in other cities as well, uh, is to be able to collect a fee on a per ride basis uh, you know, from uh, these scooters. Uh, so as a user goes and takes a ride, we would charge a fee to the scooter owner operator. Okay? Um, and then you know, we would collect those fees probably on a monthly basis, uh, depending on the, the amount of rides that have been happening. Okay? Uh, but that allows us to cover our costs as a city for implementing this program uh, uh, and making sure that, that it's operating in a, in a safe way. Uh, and then uh, we would also like to leverage that uh, prep program, that fee structure to actually incentivize 
more equitable distribution of scooters. So right now they're heavily concentrated uh, in our downtown area, our central business district and our midtown. Um, but that is a small percent of the land mass of the city of Detroit. So we wanna create opportunities for companies uh, that are deploying scooters to deploy those scooters deeper into the neighborhoods, right? And create more transportation opportunities uh, for more residents across the city. So we think that the, the fee structure uh, is a way to, uh, to do that by actually providing incentive, reducing the fee, uh, if you will, uh, for some of those areas that we would prefer more scooters are deployed in. Um, so again, describing, I'm describing a tool or a mechanism here. Uh, we haven't fully figured out uh, what those numbers look like. Uh, and then I also just wanted to provide a little bit of a, a scale in terms of um, you know, the number of trips that we've seen over the last two years. Uh, so in 2021, we had a little over a million trips. Uh, in 2022, the data that we had, that, and let me just be clear, the data is voluntarily shared with the city at this point. Um, that's another thing that will change with the formal ordinance. Um, so based on the data that was voluntarily shared, we saw a little over a million or half a million rides in 2021. Uh, and the data through August of this past year, uh, we saw about 270,000 rides. Uh, we think we understand a little bit of why the rides reduced, um, but uh, we're, we're still compiling the, the final data for, for last year's rides. Uh, Sherelle, next slide, please. Uh, so the, what's left of what's included in the scooter ordinance, uh, furthermore, it establishes the city's ability to facilitate equity, outreach, and awareness plans. This is really focused on creating um, more understanding and awareness of the, this mode of transportation, uh, any um, uh, low-cost options uh, for riders uh, in the city of Detroit. Um, promoting the safe riding uh, policies that the scooter operators you know, have today uh, and you know, opportunities to provide things such as you know, free helmets uh, or, or other uh, you know, items uh, to riders here in the city of Detroit. So uh, we have been doing this uh, to date and Sherelle's gonna talk a little bit more about it, uh, but we're trying to formalize that with the ordinance as well. Uh, it would be a limited number of events uh, for each scooter company uh, that's awarded, and um, it, it really is at a, a pretty low cost uh, to those uh, those entities. Uh, they've been supportive of this uh, since day one here in the city of Detroit, so we're very happy about that. Uh, the next thing is it establishes insurance requirements, and it provides the city with appropriate indemnities. Okay, this is something that we don't have today um, that that this ordinance would establish. It's very important. Um, the next thing is it establishes an application ranking system uh, for awarding scooter permits. Uh, what will happen is that um, ranking system and scoring criteria will be provided in the application process so that applicants will know exactly what we're looking for. Uh, and then uh, we would go back, uh, the Office of Building Innovation in partnership with DPW uh, and uh, rank uh, you know, the applications. And then we would actually bring the scoring back to city council and have city council weigh in uh, on the scoring, okay? Uh, we would uh, have city council approve the scoring and then once city council has approved that scoring, DPW would issue permits uh, to the highest ranked applicants based on the number of scooters we believe we need uh, in the city of Detroit uh, for the two-year period, um, which I'll, I'll get to here at number nine. Um, so the, the last two things on the list here uh, is it establishes uh, permits for what's next. So the rate of innovation happening in this industry with every other industry uh, is continuing to accelerate. So five, six years ago, we didn't have any plans for scooters because they didn't exist. Um, 
scooters aren't going to last for as long as the automobile has lasted, right? 100 plus years. There will be innovation well before that. So we want to set ourselves up here in the city of Detroit uh, with a permitting category for what could potentially either play, replace or supplement scooters in the future. Uh, so it does create a, a classification for additional permits uh, for what we're calling what's next, uh, which would allow us to, uh, to move quickly as a city um, to be very welcoming uh, of new mobility options uh, here in Detroit. And then the last thing, as I mentioned, uh, you know, this uh, ordinance would create a two-year permitting term. We believe that this is a, a good best practice. There's a lot of work that goes into reviewing these applications uh, and creating the right structure for the program. Uh, if we had to do that on an annual basis, uh, it would be overly burdensome. Uh, but doing it every two years allows us to continue to modify the application criteria in a way to leverage some of the latest and greatest innovations happening in industry and to adjust for cost and other things uh, as we see them changing uh, here in the city of Detroit. Um, so Sherelle, next slide, please. So the last thing that I want to mention before I turn this over to Sherelle and, and allow her to provide some more uh, details uh, on the application and other uh, areas of this is talk about what's not included. Okay, so I focused on what is included, what we're creating, what's new, uh, and, and what's going to give us the coverage we need here in the city of Detroit. Um, but I want to, you know, really quickly talk about one thing that we heard a lot about. We want to make sure was not included in this ordinance, and that is penalizing riders. Okay, there is nothing in this ordinance that creates a, a fee or a, uh, a penalty or, or a citation for riders of scooters. Okay, uh, the only thing that the ordinance speaks to is basic operational safety. Okay, we believe that that is fully covered by the scooter company's existing rider policies. So our plan is to work with those scooter operators uh, and, and owners to make sure that they're enforcing those rider policies to the best of their abilities. So, so that is our plan for addressing uh, the, the riders themselves. There is no, uh, no additional regulation for the riders uh, that is included uh, in this ordinance. So uh, with that, I'll, I'll pass it over to Sherelle. Um, please take it away. Great. Thanks, Tim, and thank you to this honorable body for allowing us to present on this topic. Um, as Tim mentioned, e-scooter e companies will be required to maintain a permit to operate within the city. Um, permit applications will be evaluated by the Department of Public Works, and uh, applications could include the following example criteria. So there will be a set of questions about the company in general. So they can include the company's name, its organizational structure, and contact information for regional and local contact per persons. So right now, we meet with each company on a bi-weekly basis, and then we have an all-hands meeting on a monthly cadence. And uh, with this ordinance, we will maintain uh, those levels of communication and relationships. Um, there will also be questions about the vehicles themselves, so the vehicle specs. Um, so, for example, we could ask a question about um, how long or how wide the riding deck is. And the deck is just the, the place where your feet goes on, on the scooters. Um, we also know that some companies offer um, adaptive vehicles for seniors and people with disabilities. And so we will give them an opportunity to speak to that um, in this permit application. Um, companies will also be asked to provide an overview of their web and smartphone apps, as well as payment options. Um, in addition to um, any alternative ways people can access um, their services and pay for them. 
Um, there will also be um, questions re related to uh, potential warehouse locations. Um, we really want to know about their the local teams that will be servicing Detroit residents um, and visitors. So regarding operations, uh, companies could act, be asked about the number of vehicles they can deploy um, in the city, as well as providing a proposed deployment plan. Um, regarding distribution and, and specifically meaning the where the vehicles are staged, um, we will look at to use you know, existing data that we've been collecting over the past five years, as well as working with the awarded companies, uh, uh, colleagues from other city departments and community organizations to identify a equitable distribution plan that would increase access to these vehicles in the neighborhoods. Um, so as Tim mentioned earlier, we know that a lot of the scooters are clustered around the downtown and midtown areas, uh, but we see the, the benefit of having, you know, scooters we service um, citywide. Um, there will also be questions around employment engagement strategies. Um, we want to support um, any opportunities to employ Detroit-based employees. And then there will be questions about community engagement and education awareness plans that speak to you know, proper riding and parking, for example. So last year, I think Tim mentioned this earlier, um, companies participated in about four city-led uh, community engagement events and at least two uh, community organization-led events that included um, one transportation conversation hosted by uh, Eastside Community Network, where they passed out you know, um, helmets and other safety gear, as well as resources around subsidized programs, and then FAQs that we worked on uh, collaboratively with them to generate. Um, and so with the passing of this ordinance, we will maintain or exceed that level of engagement. Um, in addition to uh, uh, the contact information that Tim mentioned on the, vis the, the vehicle itself, um, there may be a question around uh, other alternative ways people can um, you know, reach the scooter companies and report issues or concerns. Um, and then lastly, companies may be asked to provide, or will be asked, excuse me, to provide a data sharing plan and overview of their company's history. So that can include, you know, data breaches or lawsuits, for example, um, a letter of recommendation or a letter of intent and a certificate of insurance. And so as a part of the permit agreement, um, companies will also be asked to provide anonymized data in the latest version of MDS. And MDS is Mobility Data Specification, which is the data standard for scooters. And so this data can include like trip ID, vehicle ID, trip start and end times. Um, and what the city will use this data to do is to monitor a company's compliance with local policies. So for example, those speed and ride restrictions and the equitable distribution plans that we that I mentioned earlier. Um, in addition to that, the having this data uh, will allow us to do infrastructure planning. So if we have, um, you know, where people are naturally starting and ending their trips, we know where we could potentially, um, you know, place some parking zones, for example. <clears throat> Um, so as is proposed in this ordinance, permit applications will open on December 1st of every even year. So that includes 2022, 2024, and so on, um, and will remain open for 60 to 90 days. However, for this permit cycle, so the 2022-2024 permit cycle, applications will uh, open soon after the effective date of this ordinance. 
Once they close, DPW will have up to 30 days to review and rank them and submit those rankings to city council for approval and issue permits. Um, each permit that is awarded within, within one given permit cycle will be uh, have the same uh, effective date and expiration date. And so with that being said, I would, I would again like to thank uh, this honorable body for allowing us to present in front of you today and I will hand it back to my colleague, Tim. All right, thank you, Sherelle. Uh, and again, thank you to this honorable body for the opportunity to speak on this. The last thing I wanted to say really quickly, uh, we, we built a presentation, it was all around what the actual uh, legislative language is and what's in the ordinance, okay? Um, but obviously, you know, we know that, that engaging the community and getting the right feedback and building the right solutions for Detroit is extremely important. So I just wanted to, uh, you heard some elements of it and some of the different groups that we were working with, uh, a number of the different, um, you know, community organizations, um, the scooter companies that are currently operating here, uh, as well as uh, advocates from the, the disability community, right? Uh, we, we have engaged with a, a large number of them. We've collected feedback. Um, I have not received a single negative piece of, I, I, let, me, let me, I gotta walk that back a little bit, apologies. Um, I have not received anything uh, you know, from those communities uh, that has been negative towards what is in here. Um, I have received a little bit of uh, you know, feedback on potential um, uh, maybe duplication of language uh, with some state law, uh, but I think you know, uh, Daniel will be able to, to speak to that. Uh, but outside of that one topic, uh, I haven't received any negative feedback from the scooter companies, from uh, the, the, dis the disability community advocates, uh, from uh, the various uh, stakeholders that we have engaged uh, to build what we believe is the right uh, structure for here in the city of Detroit. So um, with that, I'll turn it back over to uh, this honorable body uh, to open the floor for, for any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you, Chief and team, for working on this ordinance. Um, quick question is, if we could please get a copy of the presentation. Um, and just want to make a note uh, to have these sent to us as soon as possible in advance for us to make them public, um, available to the public. So if anyone could share that with me, that would be greatly appreciated. And then a few questions that I do have. Um, Regarding the ordinance, this was a great overview. Really appreciate it. Um, uh, Chief, you mentioned that this will cost money. Wondering if we have received or if, if the OCFO has submitted a fiscal impact statement for this ordinance. Um, so, Madam Chair, I, I don't know if that has been done yet. Um, I don't know if, if anyone else uh, uh, has been aware of that. Uh, I, I apologize. I've been uh, out uh, on vacation for the last two weeks and just returned today, actually. Um, so I, I don't know if that has been completed yet. No worries. Um, Law, would you would you happen to know, um, Attorney Arkin? Um, good morning to the chair. I, I can't speak to that exact issue. I'm not um, aware of whether that analysis has been prepared at, at this time, but I can work with the the chief and OMI to to coordinate and get that taken care of. My understanding is that the primary expenses arising out of this ordinance will be mostly the personnel to administer and enforce and maintain communications with uh, the various permitted regulated companies. Um, my understanding, I'll defer to to the chief if um, I'm missing anything. That there there are no 
major material or equipment outlays that will be necessary in order to implement this. It's mostly personnel um, and time resources. Understood. Thank you. Two brief questions before I turn it over to my colleagues. Um, the ordinance states that an electric personnel mobility device may be presumed by the department to be abandoned if it is not, quote, located for any, located for any period of time in public space in such a manner to create an imminent danger to public health or safety. Uh, so wondering how is this going to be enforced? Um, and is there a possibility to specify this language or to provide examples of, of what this would actually look like um, while being enforced? So, Madam Chair, I'll, I'll start and then maybe uh, ask um, you know, Daniel to, to chime in from the, uh, the legal language, right? Um, so, for example, what we would be looking to do with this is we don't want uh, a scooter that, uh, based on the data, right? So that's part of why the data sharing is so important. Uh, we see a scooter that hasn't moved in, you know, a month. Right, so clearly that scooter, uh, it's either uh, damaged and no one is willing to ride it, uh, or it's not in a location where it's providing any community benefit whatsoever. Right, so we would uh, then contact that scooter provider directly and say, "Hey, here's the serial number of the vehicle that we see that's just been sitting here. Uh, would you please go out and check it? Right, uh, you know, collect it if it's damaged, uh, relocate it if it's not and it's just not being used, uh, so that we don't have vehicles that are just sitting around with with nobody using them." Uh, so that is the the highest level intent uh, of that that language and provision. Uh, you know, um, uh, Attorney Arking, I don't know if there's anything you would add to that or, or want to further clarify. Um, I, I would not certainly not contradict that anything the chief said in any way. I would simply just add that um, making this determination as to abandonment, which is the basis for the city's ability to remove, you know, abandoned devices from public spaces is uniquely tricky because these are um, dockless uh, devices that are intended to be parked um, on their own in the street or, or in public spaces. And so uh, simply driving past a snapshot in time of a given scooter or similar device, it can be very hard to tell at that point in time whether it is simply waiting for the next rider or actually has been abandoned. The difference is really a matter of, of intent to the extent that can be objectively evaluated, you know, is the intent that it's waiting for another rider or is, is the intent that it's it's been relinquished and should not be used anymore um, at all. The, the purpose of this section is just to enumerate a few specific scenarios in which the city can make the assumption that a given device is not just waiting for the next rider, the next customer, but really has been abandoned and any um, ownership of it, any maintenance of it, responsibility for it ha has been relinquished. Um, so if it's left out um, for, I think, 48 hours is the standard in inoperable, unusable condition, if it's waiting, if it's, you know, hanging from a scaffold or a tree, for example, that is clearly not where uh, scooters should be waiting for their next rider um, and so on. The, the purpose is just to provide some specific examples where it's clear that it's not just, just waiting for future use. Understood, thank you. 
So it really is going to go down to the discretion of the enforcement officer. I'm assuming there will be training beforehand, um, maybe some, instead of waiting maybe 10 hours or so, and, and then um, uh, calling it abandoned, there will be multiple steps. I, I guess I don't know the process, so that's why. Um, how do you picture this um, uh, being enforced? Yeah, so thank, thank you, Madam Chair. So to further clarify, um, so the enforcement will happen by all mine, right? So we will have the data that's being shared with us. Um, you know, we will organize that data in a way that, you know, we can understand it and visualize it. Um, and then we will actually be the first level notifying uh, the scooter companies uh, that, hey, there's this vehicle, it's been sitting there for, you know, greater than 48 hours, you know, please go investigate it, right? Uh, and if they don't investigate it for, our, you know, it hasn't moved another 48 hours, we would escalate and say, okay, hey, you know, second warning, please go out there and, and, and you know, investigate this, right? So uh, it would be our team, uh, primarily led by Sherelle here, uh, you know, to, to lead that quote-unquote enforcement uh, of the policy, right? Um, this would not involve any other departments of the city of Detroit at, at this point in time, um, you know, for, for that level of, of, again, you know, enforcement. Um, so does that answer your question or, or can I expand a little bit more? That's very helpful. Thank you, Chief. My last question is, uh, what is the difference between a electric personal assistive mobility device and a power driven mo mobility device? Can you provide some examples? So, Madam Chair, I would uh, ask our, our uh, legal mind uh, at the, the table here to speak to that. Uh, these are legal terms, um, you know, that uh, are some of them are used, I, I believe, possibly in the state, uh, you know, um, uh, legal language. And so we did model uh, our terminology after what is at the state level. So I'll pass it over to Attorney Arkin. Thank you. Um, to the chair, um, exactly as the chief mentioned, these terms are mostly drawn from the state motor vehicle code. So if they are not intuitive, um, I will happily throw the state law under the bus on that. <clears throat> um, the What we commonly refer to as, as scooters um, by common parlance under the state law are referred to as electric skateboards that happen to have a handlebar for reference, which are also Deter, you know, under the state law determines to be a type of electric personal mobility device. Now you asked about electric personal assistive mobility device. That is another term of art from the state law, which as I understand it from that state definition refers to a Segway device where the wheels are side by side and it's a self-balancing um, device as opposed to a scooter where they're collinear. Um, I suppose this ordinance could apply to segways as well, but uh, historical consequence of technology, they never flourished. So we are focusing on electric personal mobility devices instead. Thank you. Understood. It's just that this could be confusing to the public um, and really urge maybe some kind of photos on the websites um, or in your outreach. Um, so that it's very clear to the public what we, what we are discussing in this ordinance. I will turn it over to my colleagues if there are any other questions. Yes, Member Calloway. 
Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. And your questions were amazing. Um, just got my mind going, and I'm so um, excited about this ordinance. Um, right now, um, is the city collecting any reven revenue from these e-scooter companies? Through the chair, uh, currently we are not. Okay. My second question is, um, in 2018, from what I've read, um, we've had three. How many companies do we have operating in the city now? Uh, through the chair, we are aware of six companies that are currently operating in the city of Detroit. Okay. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so we have six or seven companies, I counted, um, operating in the city, and we're not collecting any revenue? Through the chair, that is correct. Okay, I have another question through the chair. Um, so how are we regulating right now today, currently? Through the chair, uh, we have set up a process where we have um, biweekly meetings, one-on-ones uh, -on with each company. Uh, that, that we're aware that's operating here in the city of Detroit. We have monthly meetings uh, with the collective group uh, of all the companies operating in the city of Detroit. Uh, and uh, it is currently a, uh, a voluntary compliance basis. So that memorandum of interpretation that I mentioned at the very beginning of this um, was kind of our, if I'm being honest, our nuclear option. Basically what it says is, uh, if you don't follow these rules, uh, then we will have to remove all scooters off of the roads here in the city of Detroit, uh, which we all, I think, would agree is, is not the ideal scenario. Uh, so right now we don't have an ability to collect revenue uh, and we don't have an ability to um, do any meaningful enforcement other than voluntary uh, agreement between the city and the, the companies that are operating here today. Thank you, Mr. Slusser. And that's why I'm so excited about this ordinance because it's just sitting, putting some systems in place and some processes and procedures that probably should have been put in place when the e-scooters started landing in our city. But I'm really excited about this ordinance. I'm hoping my colleagues will support it. Um, and um, I have other questions, but um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thrilled about the structure that's coming. And I'm thinking from the licensing fees, um, that should absolutely help um, with enforcement. Because if we're able to collect fees, then perhaps we're able to um, hire additional enforcement officers. Is that a possibility, sir? Through the chair, that 100% would be a possibility. And that's what I'm so it shouldn't be any impact on the um, on the city um, funding or or general fund. So through the chair, I, I can't speak to that you know today because uh, we haven't you know finalized what the the fee structure would necessarily look like. Um, and I, I can't say that I have 100% accurate data on the number of rides and, and trips that were taken, mm -hmm. um, but, but certainly it, it would be our intent uh, to minimize that, if not zero it out. From the fees that we're going to collect through the chair. Okay, that and that, that's exciting for right now we're not collecting anything and for the, the possibility to be able to collect some fees and perhaps hire some additional enforcement officer, it should be... Um, a win-win situation. So I thank you very much for all the work that you guys have done on this ordinance. And um, I'm just excited, excited about my colleagues voting it up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Member And thank Caroline. you, Madam Chair. Of course. Um, just a few more questions before we wrap up. Um, given um, some of the questions that you just posed, um, Member Calloway, I'm wondering, do other cities have similar ordinances, Chief? Uh, Madam Chair, yes, other cities do. We looked at a number of these uh, to craft what you have before you. Um, so, you know, cities including uh, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, uh, Atlanta, right? So uh, we, we've looked at a number of them for kind of the, the best, um, you know, tools that they have uh, to include those here for the city of Detroit. And then Member Kelly just mentioned that we have about six or seven companies currently 
um, active in the city, how many are we hoping to have moving forward with the application process and the ranking process? Are we looking at three to four of them? Are we hoping to have all of them? What's the thought process behind that? So, so Madam Chair, I think right now the thought process is that we probably want to have less than six, okay? Uh, and the reason being is, um, you know, each one requires, you know, a different account, different app, you know, different means of, of activating the scooter. Uh, it becomes complex, uh, you know, for uh, residents and visitors here in the city of Detroit. Uh, and it also makes, uh, creates a greater challenge for us to actually enforce the policies uh, that we're trying to create here in the city of Detroit. So I can't say today exactly how many it is, uh, but to say uh, that we believe it is less than six. Uh, and we believe that doing so, reducing the number of operators uh, will create greater opportunities, um, you know, for residents uh, to have, you know, um, greater access, not have to have six different apps on their phone, six different accounts, um, as well as to create better opportunities for uh, those companies that are operating here in the city of Detroit, so that we can uh, work with them to create the right uh, structure to get more coverage across the entire city of Detroit, deeper into the neighborhoods, deeper into the districts, uh, further out from the central business district and, and midtown areas uh, where they're currently concentrated today. Thank you. That does sound exciting to me to not have our, our residents have to download six different apps to get into a different uh, scooter. And I also wonder what this would mean um, competitively if we're looking at also the, the pricing of each scooter. I don't know how they come up with the pricing or what that looks like, but I know if we had two or three good companies that were lower than others that were bad actors, um, I would definitely rank them higher to be doing business in the city. Um, my, my last comment is more of, of a request as well. Um, for fiscal impact statement um, or uh, regarding this, I, I wonder how much potential money we could get um, with permitting fees. Um, I just have, have questions around that as well. Um, I see no other questions from my colleagues. One last statement. Oh, okay, final questions, uh, Vice Chair. All right, thank you. So I got a couple questions. Um, number one, and thank you all for uh, working on this order. It's, it's, it's a long time coming. Um, we talk about a geofence and an equitable distribution plan. Uh, what, what are the thoughts? Where would that geofencing be located? Yes, so, so through the chair um, to the council person, uh, those geofences could be located, uh, they're, they're, they're temporary uh, in some cases, they're permanent in others, right? So for example, uh, we could create a geofence along the riverfront, right? And we could reduce the, the speed limit uh, of scooters to let's say eight miles per hour along the riverfront because it's a highly pedestrian, you know, centralized area, right? We don't necessarily want to fully remove scooters uh, because it is a form of transportation along that route, but we want to make it uh, uh, certainly safer for pedestrians and riders, right? So that's one example. That could be something that's permanent. Uh, an example of something that's temporary could be, again, a festival, uh, the Detroit Grand Prix, right? Um, we could reduce or create a no ride zone around where the Detroit Grand Prix is going to be. Uh, we could reduce speed within, you know, a block uh, of that zone uh, so that we're kind of creating these buffers uh, that improve, uh, you know, the health and safety uh, within the city of Detroit. Um, so, so that would be the purpose of those types of things. So they can be, you know, year long and they can be ad hoc. Uh, that's part of the reason why we built a a uh, strong relationship with a number of stakeholders and entities throughout the city uh, so that as these types of events and, and things are occurring, uh, we can work quickly to make sure that they have the right um, you know, uh, solution for controlling these vehicles uh, around their, their events. 
That's the great. Vice Chair, just briefly want to share the geofencing works really well. I was riding the scooter in California and it stops abruptly because that's where the fencing stops. You could no longer ride the scooter um, past that um, that location. So just sharing that's really, <laughs> really impactful, um, the geofencing, Vice Chair. All right, thank you. And so that was going to go segue to my, my next question. How will people know what the geofencing is? And if it can be modified quickly, I mean, how will that information be conveyed, number one, to the riders, and then number two, to the legislators? Chief. So through the chair, uh, fantastic question. Very much appreciate this one. Um, so historically, we have shared that information, obviously, with the scooter companies, um, and then allowed them to uh, provide that information to the riders. Um, you know, we could also, um, it's not something that we have discussed internally, but uh, I think we could also post that uh, to uh, the city's website, uh, you know, for scooters. Um, and so that, you know, the, the, the residents and visitors of the city kind of have a place that they can go to see these restrictions, um, you know, in, you know, effective dates, especially for the temporary ones. So that's something we could certainly include. Uh, one last thing that I'll, I'll say as well about the geofencing, um, because I, I think both, you know, council needs to hear this as well as the public, um, you know, in the city of Detroit, in certain areas, uh, it is safest to ride on the streets, okay, in the bike lanes, for example. In certain areas of the city, it is not the safest to do so, or we don't have bike lanes. And so the safest opportunity is to ride in the sidewalk. Um, so we have factored this into the way that the ordinance is written today, but there are new technologies that are coming out from these scooter companies that allow them to actually identify accurately where these scooters are, whether or not they're on a sidewalk or on a roadway. And it becomes so critically important because we can then create the same types of policies at a sidewalk versus roadway level to try to you know, create the best uh, and safest riding opportunities for, uh, for the riders as well as pedestrians, uh, you know, people in vehicles, so on and so forth. Uh, but today, the current technology does not allow for this level of accuracy because it's controlled by satellites. And when a rider goes behind a building, that satellite doesn't have direct line of communication to the vehicle. And so it doesn't know where it is. And so we don't have the right technology to enforce those types of uh, policies today, but we're getting very, very close. And so that's part of the reason why we've structured our process the way we have in two-year intervals so we can take advantage of the latest and greatest technologies uh, to improve public health and safety. So thank you. And so then are there any thoughts now to, to creating permanent geofence? So one would come to mind, uh, maybe Woodward downtown, um, heavily transited by pedestrians on the sidewalks. You have right lane uh, uh, rail tracks, which make, would make operating a scooter or even bicycle dangerous within the right of way. So how would you um, engage that? Is there any thought given to that type of uh, location yet? So through the chair, um, we, we've certainly been thinking about those things. I think right now uh, what we have in terms of the, the technology that's available to us uh, is just reducing the speed zone uh, along Woodward. Uh, we're not at a point where we can, you know, tell accurately enough, again, the sidewalk versus the roadway. Uh, so what we would do is do something, like I said, the, the speed restriction uh, to try and create the safest environment for everybody. And then as those new technologies come online, we will pilot them in conjunction with uh, the scooter companies. Um, it's something that we're asking for in the application process. Tell us about your technology. Tell us about your multiple types of vehicles, right? Um, so that we can, you know, uh, track the, the greatest opportunities here for, for residents and visitors of the city of Detroit. So. Right. Thank you. And then neighborhood deployment plan, equitable distribution plan, where would that be published? And what are the thoughts on how to make sure that we get scooters into our neighborhoods? 
So through the chair, again, another fantastic question. Uh, our current thoughts and what we've seen other communities do, uh, LA has been a, a great example of this. Um, what, what they do is they assess a, a per ride fee, okay? Uh, let's call it 50 cents to pick a round, a round number, all right? Uh, and then what they would do is they would create zones, um, you know, where either uh, it's lower income or there's not enough coverage by the scooter providers, right? And they would say, if you start or end a ride within that zone, you get a discount on the fee. So maybe it jumps down from 50 cents to 25 cents. If you start and end within that zone, maybe it goes from 25 cents down to 15 cents, right? So that's part of the incentive that I mentioned, you know, using that fee structure as a tool uh, to try and create the right opportunities. So I think we're, we're, we're far too early uh, to fully describe how that tool can come together. Uh, we would want to do a, a significant amount of community engagement um, to figure out where, um, I, I don't want to, for example, if District 3 doesn't have you know, any scooters there right now, I don't want to just come in and dump down a bunch of scooters uh, with the scooter companies. I want to work with uh, you know, District 3 to figure out where do you want them? Right. What does the community think that they would use this for? Uh, and then try and work through that incentive structure to create the right opportunities uh, for, for that equitable distribution. Uh, so I think we, we know what the tool could look like. We need to do a, a, a bit more work to engage the community and find the right approach. All right. Then section 47, TAC 10, TAC 40 talks about indemnity. Are we truly indemnified from liability as a city if they're on our rights away? there's a pothole or we're not maintaining a sidewalk or the right-of-way properly. Are we truly as a city indemnified here and protected? Chief. Through the chair, I'm going to pass this over to Attorney Arkin to speak here. Sure. Um, through the chair, uh, to Member Benson's question, um, I cannot promise that we are indemnified fully for every possible scenario that could arise I'm aware that some cases have um, been brought before the to the city arising out of um, high, the Highway Defect, defect um, Act. However, I can say that this particular provision has received probably more scrutiny within the law department than any other section in this ordinance. I've reviewed it with senior litigators within the law department and I can confidently say that this is uh, the greatest extent of indemnification that uh, we've been able to come up with uh, collectively. Okay, and then section 47, TAC 10, TAC 57, uh, subsection five, talks about areas of operations and sidewalk operation danger. Um, but we talked about not creating a, a criminal uh, or even civil penalty for the writers, but we talk about operating safely. And I, and I know I've been buzzed by people uh, walking down Woodward, and so in certain areas, if we don't have that geofencing and restrict speeds, there's going to inherently be uh, problems between motorized and, not, and pedestrians walking the area. So what are we doing to actually enforce what we're saying in that section? Yeah, so through the chair, uh, as I mentioned, right, um, the, the program as it exists today uh, is, is voluntary. Uh, and the only option that we have, uh, you know, if we have bad actors uh, is the nuclear option to remove all scooters off the roadway. So um, what we will have uh, with the passing of this ordinance, 
uh, and the collection of uh, verified data uh, you know, from these uh, uh, operators uh, is the ability to actually see when those um, conflicts are happening uh, and then to uh, work with them to give them, again, warnings, right? Um, sometimes it's just human error. They forget to update their geofences or they make a change to another geofence and they inadvertently uh, you know, turn something else off, right? Um, so we would work with them first. And if they continue, uh, if we continue to see those issues, those non-compliance issues arising, uh, this ordinance gives uh, Department of Public Works the ability to revoke or suspend a permit. Uh, so make no mistake, you know, these companies are making money off of, uh, you know, having their vehicles operate here in the city of Detroit. Uh, they're providing a service that, that many Detroiters need, uh, but they are making a profit here. So, um, you know, if we even suspend them for a week or two, right, that hits their bottom line, hits them, you know, where it counts. Uh, and so we believe this gives us the right leverage today. Uh, you know, to begin to um, enforce these policies and create the right environment in the city of Detroit. Um, but again, you know, we're, we're looking at this uh, as an opportunity for us to uh, make adjustments on a, on a two-year basis. Um, so there are some things that we could do on that two-year basis in the application uh, to, to further strengthen our ability to uh, enforce, uh, you know, these policies. And then what's your thought on the reporting mechanism to identify if people are operating in a hazardous manner? So uh, through the chair, uh, what we're gonna have, uh, that, that data we expect to be shared with us uh, either in near real time or, or you know, I think no longer than like a 24 hour delay, right? Um, I, I would say, don't quote me on that just yet, but uh, these are the capabilities of the tool. Uh, so we believe that we'll have a, uh, a tool that can actually alert us in real time uh, of non-compliance. Uh, which would allow us to move very quickly uh, once we see these issues. Uh, so in terms of enforcement, uh, we are going to be leaning heavily on the data collected uh, to flag any non-compliance issues. Uh, we just simply don't have you know, the funding or the capacity to have you know, 50 people walking the streets kind of observing uh, you know, these scooters to see if the riders are uh, using them improperly, uh, you know, in, in my words. So... Well, no, no. So for my specific question is a reporting mechanism. So if someone says they see somebody operating dangerously, they've been buzzed, you see somebody who's just swerving and operating in a hazardous manner um, along the sidewalk or in the right-of-way, is there a reporting mechanism where someone can call that in or who would they report that to? So through the chair, and, and thank you for further clarifying, uh, council member. Um, so what we would do, so assuming that somebody does see uh, somebody riding improperly uh, and then chooses to report that either to uh, the scooter company or in this case, you know, directly to, to my office, um, what we would try to do is coordinate that to the anonymized data, all right? So, so that's part of the, the, the challenge, just to be very clear. So let's say they say, hey, I saw a rider riding at, you know, uh, 1120 a.m. along Woodward um, that was, you know, swerving in and out of people and, and riding improperly, right? If we got that information and we believe we could identify or, or um, uh, link it to one or more potential rides that we saw based on the data going across that path, we would then notify the scooter company and say, listen, just want to make you aware, we believe that there was a rider that was, you know, riding you know, aggressively and properly, whatever it may be, uh, and ask the scooter company to follow up with their own internal policies uh, on, on how they would handle that sort of situation, right? Um, but they're, uh, as I mentioned, they have rider policies. 
what you're describing, we believe is fully covered in the rider policies. So what we would look to do is ask them to enforce those. Okay, and, and so once again, just how would that pedestrian or the person who wants to report that, how would they do that? Through the chair. So, so that could be through the, the email address uh, that we have ready to go uh, and we'll be putting out there. Uh, that could be through the contact information that is on uh, you know, the, the scooters themselves, right? So if they saw a green scooter and they went and found another green scooter sitting out, they could look at the contact information on that vehicle and make you know, the phone call or you know, shoot an email. Um, so those would be options that we would include. Um, I would be, you know, if, there, if there's additional thoughts uh, from, uh, you know, uh, yourself and other council members, we would certainly be open to uh, having a discussion on that uh, to, to figure out if there's a better way to do that. Uh, but I would say those are the tools that we have uh, right now and, and have planned for. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. Member Calloway. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I, I have a quick question. What about um, DPD? Would they play a role in any of this if somebody's driving, you know, um, unsafely or endangering you know, pedestrians, uh, how does that work? Would they be able to issue a ticket or would they be able to have the individual get off the scooter? How are they doing it right now? What's happening with folks who drive, you know, um, in an unsafe manner today since it's unregulated? What's, what's happening with those um, riders today? Yeah, so through, through the chair, um, I, I, I'm going to try and be careful with my words and maybe, uh, you know, ask attorney Arking to, to layer on here as well. But um, there is nothing in this ordinance that would create a, a new uh, civil or criminal infraction, right? Uh, if someone is on a scooter, though, um, breaking an existing law, okay, um, then I believe DPD would look to potentially approach that individual for the other law that they're breaking. So this wouldn't be specific to riding a scooter. It would be something else that is already existing. Um, so outside of that, uh, we do not envision DPD, uh, and there's nothing in this, this ordinance, uh, as going and trying to enforce um, the rider policies and the safe riding uh, that, that is part of, uh, you know, that part of, of the plan, right? Um, so we, we will continue to work with the scooter companies to make sure they're enforcing their rider policies. We'll be continuing to try and emphasize those rider policies through the community outreach, uh, you know, engagement opportunities that, that Sherelle was speaking to, uh, and that we want to continue to do. Um, so, so that would kind of be uh, my response. Um, you know, Attorney Arking, is there anything that, that you would like to add to that? Um, yeah, if, if I could, through the chair. Um... As far as police enforcement, um, these these devices are not under the state law considered motor vehicles. However, they are addressed as a type of other vehicle under the state law. So they are not subject to ticketing or points against a license holder as you might expect for violations uh, when driving an automobile. Um, as the chief mentioned, this ordinance does not envision taking enforcement action against um, individual riders. The responsibility for uh, a rider's conduct is imputed against the permitted company that owns and deploys the scooters through that reporting mechanism um, that the chief described. Um, within that framework, the ordinance in section 47-10-2 does envision that although the Department of Public Works is authorized to enforce 
the ordinance, it is also um, authorized to collaborate and coordinate with OMI, for example, as well as the police department um, for purposes of administration. So I, I suppose, for example, um, at the risk of speculation, that could involve if a police officer um, sees a violation or observes a violation, they would be um, as able as any member of the public to report that through the channels that the chief mentioned. Um, but there's there's no anticipation that an officer would be issuing tickets um, or otherwise directly in taking enforcement action against a rider. Madam Chair, my last um, question, and thank you so much for even allowing me to ask these questions at, um, during this committee meeting, but what about um, folks doubling up on the um, e-scooters? I know when I read the Michigan state law, I think that's prohibited. Um, and they also talked about something in the Michigan state law um, with helmets. So I know we don't necessarily require helmets because I don't see anybody ever wearing helmets, but I do see um, two people on a scooter. Now under state law, from what I've read, I think that is um, prohibited but I didn't see anything in this ordinance that addresses that. So through the Doubling chair- Doubling up on uh, the um, scooters. Yes, so through the chair, uh, it is my understanding that uh, what you're describing is prohibited in the riding policies uh, for each scooter uh, company, right? Uh, so again, we would be looking to ask them to enforce those policies. Um, you know, if, if we saw or had reports of, of certain riders, um, you know, riding two up, uh, as, as it's sometimes referred to, right, two people on the scooter at the same time, uh, it, it does present, you know, dangers, uh, you know, both to the riders and, and, and those around them uh, becomes more difficult to, to handle the vehicle. So uh, we just want people to, to operate the vehicle safely, um, you know, take care of themselves, take care of, of those around them. Uh, so, so our preferred method right now would be to, uh, you know, work with uh, the scooter companies to make sure they're enforcing the policies. If we can give them information that can help them identify individuals that are violating their policies, um, then, then we would certainly look to do that, uh, you know, for the greater public health and safety good. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't envision any uh, direct action at this time in terms of trying to uh, involve DPD or, or anything like that uh, when, when we see those sorts of instances. Thank you, Mr. Slusser. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you all. I would now like to move us into our public comments for this section. Um, we may get a few more questions, so if the, fan the panel can please stay with us until the very end. Um, are, is there anybody here in person? We have one person here in person. Please um, make your way over to the chair and to the mic. You'll go first. If we can, um, Ms. Mitchell, if you wouldn't mind putting a minute and a half on the screen for those that would like to make public comment. It sounds like we have a number of hands. Um, I'm, if we wouldn't mind, Ms. Mitchell, put in a, a minute. Um, I believe I just heard we have 15 hands raised. Um, so given our time, we're gonna give everybody one minute. I apologize, um, but we're gonna give you everybody one minute to make a comments. And this is specifically for the ordinance that we were just discussing, the scooter ordinance. If you want to make a comment regarding this ordinance, please raise your hand now. I will be cutting off public comments. In three, two, one, 
I see here we have 18 hands, folks. Thank you all for calling in. You have one minute. I do apologize for cutting us short, um, but these minutes add up, um, and we still have a full agenda to go through. But we're going to go ahead and begin our public comments with our resident here in person, if you wouldn't mind stating your name and your name for the public, and then go ahead and begin. Uh, my name is Ruben James Crowley Jr. I'm a, a construction expert. I'm 40 years uh, strong uh, knowing about construction, so I just wanted to speak towards this ordinance and um, also just make mention that the minorities here in the city should be uh, directly contacted and informed of this ordinance and other ordinances as well as the contracts that are going out, especially this water contract that's getting ready to be voted on to be passed on to formal by this committee. It needs to be held, and the blacks in this city need to know about this $25 million contract to get them an opportunity to participate. It was um, on a mitten system, I understand, and none of the 13 black minority contractors I know about have heard about this $25 million contract that's about to go to this Wisconsin company and Big Ben, Wisconsin. Sorry. And the scooters, they need to have helmets. When they wearing running around on these scooters, <laughs> they need Thank to you. have helmets Thank when they run around Black. on these scooters. We appreciate your time. Thank okay, you so thanks. much. Uh, Ms. Mitchell, if you wouldn't mind going to our first uh, commenter online and then um, continue down, down the list. Thank you. Madam Chair, the first caller is Karen Whiston. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, great, great. I, I didn't know. Okay, um, a seven-year pilot is um, doesn't make any sense, and, and they still don't know how they're going to do whatever they're trying to do. And I want to know what their gross earnings have been for the last seven years, and I want to know, uh, I think we should claw back uh, taxes for the city like they're doing my pension right now. We need to claw that money back. We can't afford to give money away. Um, uh, yeah, how many, I, I like to see uh, regular inspections and not just look at them when they break. I'd like to see a maintenance schedule. Um, how many of the companies are black? How do we select them? Did they just come in and start to decide they're gonna start uh, renting scooters? Somebody had to know about this. Are these scooters solar? That's a good idea. Um, so what about uh, segways? We don't see those. What about um, disability scooters? You guys forget all about senior people. How about that? That'd be a good idea, you know. So how about we somebody work on that one? And uh, you you just forget us. I like to say you beat when they go past somebody, and no more than two abreast at one time. Thanks. Thank you. Who do we have left? The next caller is Todd Scott, Detroit Greensway Coalition. Mr. Scott, you have one minute. Thank you. Yeah, the Detroit uh, Greenways Coalition for the last 15 years has been involved in not only greenways, but also complete streets, making it safe for Detroiters to walk, bike, and even scoot. Um, and when scooters came around, the biggest issue we had was, was parking. They were being parked on sidewalks, ADA ramps, even in the middle of the corner cut. And it really has improved a bit. We think this ordinance can improve that even more. Um, especially appreciate that they can be geofenced on places like the Riverwalk, where there's a lot of folks. But we do have concerns about um, the proof area of operation requiring them to only operate within the rightmost lane or within a bike lane. Um, if, if the rightmost lane didn't have uh, rail tracks and if the bike lanes were always perfectly maintained and didn't have snow, debris, standing water, or ice, 
this might be okay, but um, we'd prefer that to more follow what the state law is, where as practical would be uh, a requirement. Um, also is issue for education too. Do we have to tell people that when they're renting a scooter, the laws are different than when they're um, owning, using their own personal one. So those are our concerns. Thank you. Thank you. All right, team, who do we have next? Uh, Vice Chair, we have Ruth Johnson next. Ms. Johnson, you have one minute. Thank you, Ruth Johnson, speaking in my individual capacity. Want to make sure that with this regulatory statutory scheme that we match what we already know about e-scooters and other uses of our public streets and, and roads, as well as prioritize the public interest. For that reason, I have questions about the equity uh, outcomes and, and making sure there's a framework in the statute as we work out the details, whether these are going to be docked or dockless, making sure that the cost of this are covered with community education engagement. I have questions about data collection, complaints, uh, suspension, revocation, and not relying upon the companies to report it to the to the community, but the obligation is on the city. Also have some questions about the length of the pilot, as well as um, the, the absence of negative feedback should not be interpreted as, as assent. Also, as far as uh, driving under influence, I think we need to really look at that with scooters because there's danger there. The next caller is Casey. Good morning, can y'all hear me okay? We can hear you. Perfect, thank you. This is Casey Messeter. I'm Detroit Disability Powers Policy Analyst. As many others are here to talk about this morning, um, we have experienced this problem as a community for quite a while now with sidewalk obstruction, with scooters and bikes and things like that. Um, and those things are especially dangerous to our community um, with folks with blind and low vision or that have mobility disabilities. And this ordinance is one part of that solution. I'm very thankful for how thorough um, a lot of the protections are in it, um, including the uh, documenting and investing of complaints. Um, as others have said, we need to make sure that residents and visitors to the city are not only properly educated on, but engaged with the new ordinance um, and making sure that the implementation and enforcement are just as thorough as the, the writing of the ordinance. But we do look forward to seeing companies that offer um, these devices held accountable. Thank you. The next caller is Michelle Flournoy. Good afternoon, uh, council members. Uh, this is Michelle Flournoy uh, with the City of Detroit Planning Development Department. And I'm um, just here to comment on behalf of the department that we've been coordinating with the Office of Mobility and Innovation um, on a number of efforts. And in particular, I'm representing the Joe Lewis Greenway Neighborhood Planning Study. We're excited about this ordinance and what it could mean for additional mobility options and access within the neighborhoods, especially alongside the Joe Lewis Greenway. Uh, and in support of mobility options and um, access to the Greenway itself, and um, as well as neighborhood businesses and destinations. So just here to um, speak our, our support of the ordinance and our excitement about continuing to work with the Office of Mobility and Innovation as uh, it is rolled out, if it is. Thank you. The next caller is Hanan Ali. Yeah, yeah. 
Hello and good morning. This is Hanan Yahya, uh, Project Manager with the Joe Louis Greenway at the General Services Department. Uh, it is good to see everyone and, and uh, be able to voice the support of the Joe Louis Greenway Project and team uh, for the electric uh, scooters ordinance. Um, a lot of people know about the Joe Louis Greenway today uh, and the potential impact it will have on developing neighborhoods and making um, transit and transportation in general uh, more accessible. And the Joe's Greenway uh, aims to really connect the 24 neighborhoods it touches uh, and making uh, all forms of transit uh, available, whether it's biking, walking, uh, and really the scooter ordinance, electric scooter ordinance is the first step into uh, regulating. So we hope to continue working with the office as we already have to build on uh, those regulations. And we thank you all so much. Thanks for calling in, Hanan. Good to hear from you. The next caller is Jacob Mandel. Hello, council members. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you today. My name is Jacob Mandel, and I'm a policy manager at Superpedestrian, the operator of the bright yellow and gray link scooters in the city of Detroit. Superpedestrian is in support of the ordinance in front of you today. We would like to thank Sherelle, Tim, and the Office of uh, Mobility Innovation for their incredible work in delivering a forward-thinking ordinance that will provide Motor City residents with more choices to get around the city. We frequently survey our riders across superpedestrian cities, and it's clear that riders use e-scooters to make their most essential trips to get to work, school, running errands, and doing the most essential thing we took for granted before COVID, which is seeing friends and family. Council is ensuring that this ordinance will allow people to continue to get to those important destinations in the future. We're a proud member of the community here, and we look forward to continuing to work with the city in the future. Thanks so much. Madam Chair, the next caller is whosoever. Good afternoon, Honorable Body and panel. May I be heard? Yes, we can hear you. <laughs> Uh, first of all, the uh, the indemnity uh, to the city seems like a problem for me. It seems like it's not really worked out. This is a case of the cart before the horse. I think the ordinance is coming before uh, this body a little bit too soon. Um, we need a fiscal impact statement because what I'm hearing is, Mr. Schlesinger, you work for the city and Mrs. So you're spending all of this time working with these outside people and you're getting no revenue. That sounds a little counterproductive for city workers to me. Uh, I, so, so what's next? What's next is that we, you know, we put this off until you get some answers. I like to ask Ms. Streeter, what kind of information does she have that it that we wanted citywide? I think what you got are complaints for the people in the neighborhoods because, for me, they were eyesores. They were bikes that were left around, scooters left around, and I don't see any enforcement of this. And if it there is, then you're using up city resources. The next caller is caller ending in 534. Caller ending in yes. 534, we can hear you. Hold on a second, I've got a second device. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah. Um... Uh, first of all, it'd be nice to have a plain English 
explanation of some of these things up on the website. I agree with the last caller. It sounds like some more work, a lot more work needs to be done. Uh, why, Why aren't we grabbing more funding streams from all these situations and deals and hookups like for our youth. We wonder why we got crime and mental health issues. It's because we're neglecting our youth and we're neglecting our seniors. Um, Also, um, uh, do the scooters get to ride in the bike lanes? Uh, Where are they allowed to ride? this yeah liability i mean it's uh we haven't fixed the damn roads yet um and it can be dangerous riding a bike so we got some issues here definitely need to work out those liability issues miss flornay of the planning department yeah i'm sure your department was the next caller is rue shan hello council how are you can you hear me we can hear you. Okay, I just like to say first, my name is Rishan Long. I'm a member of the city of Detroit's Greenway, Joe Louis Greenway Advisory Council. I'm also in the first neighborhood of District Six that has the first mile has been opened up. I would like to support this ordinance because not only the people in downtown and midtown need access to be able to get throughout the city. And also with this greenway, it's designed so that people can move from one neighborhood, connect the next neighborhood to the next neighborhood. But a lot of people can't even get to the greenway if they don't have access. I appreciate the study that has been done. The city also put on some fairs this past summer that gave a lot of seniors the opportunity to ride some of these vehicles. I asked that they do it again. It was a wonderful experience and they do have scooters that seniors can sit down and ride on. I appreciate the work that has been done. I ask, and the questions that's been raised by council. I appreciate you and ask that you support this. Thank you, Ms. Long. The next caller, Madam Chair, is Tahira Ahmed. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm in support of the ordinance uh, with the little tweaking that you can do. Uh, I, I would like to see the uh, the students in our schools be taught how to make these scooters and make them solar and make solar scooters so that we so that we can uh, get them involved. We need to get our students involved in making all of these things that we and transition them into doing things for our city that we need. So we need to get our young people in the, um, the boat tech uh, and, and just as you're doing now, you know, train them, teach them how to make them and how, how uh, to uh, access the uh, ability to, to own their own company. I want to see black companies uh, putting out these uh, uh, scooters for our people. So I'm in support of the ordinance with some tweaking so that more black people will have more ability to access uh, the viability of these programs. Thank you. The next caller is Katie Horvis. Hi, um, my name is Katie Horvath and I am a resident of District 6. I live about a mile and a half from the first segment of the Joe Lewis Greenway, and I am calling to support this ordinance. Um, I would love to be able to get on a scooter um, or a bike 
and make that first mile, last mile um, to the greenway so that I can, you know, more easily uh, connect to the other neighborhoods it connects, go on runs, et cetera. Um, and I also think that in a city that struggles so much with transit, um, these e-scooters can be a really awesome first mile, last mile um, for folks if they were put out in more neighborhoods beyond um, downtown and midtown. Um, living in Midwest, we, we never see them. And I, I wish that I had the opportunity to take them more often. Um, thank you. The next caller, Madam Chair, is Catrice Robinson. Good morning. Thank you, uh, Council. My concern is um, I, I don't think that we should increase rates, but maybe have a monthly subscription and then whatever uh, minutes that you have not used may roll over to the next month. I just think that keep having. Uh, rates would uh it only affects uh low income families and then my other biggest concern is about the liability um yes i we do need to fix the roads um and we already have a problem with the uh sidewalks from the demolition of the houses and my last concern would be um the fencing i understand about the uh the scooters being in the neighborhoods on the blocks but maybe you can have the fencing in the surrounding blocks like on the major streets as opposed to them just dropping them off on a block in front of their house or something that way uh, everyone will be allowed to go in and pick up the scooters and uh, see about the maintenance thank you the next caller, Madam Chair, is BMT. Can you repeat the, the caller again, Ms. Mitchell? The next caller is BMT. BMT, you are next on the queue. You have one minute. You have been made a panelist. Please unmute Good morning. Yourself. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Brian Tony. I'm with uh, Lime, a logistics partner. And we um, uh, agree with the uh, new city ordinance. Um, it's very beneficial for the city to have the scooters around. It allows people to get their last mile in. And for me as a business owner, it's been very beneficial for me and my family and my employees to be able to hire uh, individuals to police. Basically, we police ourselves to make sure that the scooters are not laying around and they're not uh, obstructing uh, sidewalks. So we take it upon ourselves to make sure that 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 that's not a problem and that we make sure that the the areas are clear. And as far as addressing the black owned, uh, most of the logistic partners are black owned and there are black owned uh, scooter companies in the city of Detroit. Thank you very much. Thank you. Madam Chair, the next caller is Vaughn Rowland. Good morning. Uh, I'm Vaughn Rowland, Senior Manager of Government Partnerships with Eve Scooter Provider Bird Rides. Um, and I'd like to thank you guys for, and thank the council for allowing me to speak this morning. Bird is a shared e-scooter company that operates in over 300 cities around the world. Um, and we had the privilege to operate 
Our e-scooters in the city of Detroit since 2018 is with this valuable experience, uh, localized experience that we can share support for this 2023 uh, micromobility program in, in ordinance. Uh, we, we are sure that it seeks to provide alternative transportation that is safe, equitable, and accessible. Uh, we're dedicated to continuously working with the city of Detroit uh, and its passion and future of micromobility. Uh, we're fully committed uh, to all the various things that were listed out in some of the rules and regulations that you just heard. Um, uh, and with that, we respectfully ask that the city uh, to move forward with this permanent program, micromobility program. Uh, we look forward to continuing to be a resource to the city of Detroit and allowing and ensuring that we continue to partner with community organizations and with the city, ensuring that we have uh, equitable The next caller is Margaret Maddox and Scarlett. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Good morning. It is, it's soft, but yes, we can hear you. Okay. Thank you. Um, I am, I am very frustrated because we need more education on the scooter just to make sure it's safe for everyone to ride. But, but, people, people, people that use the scooter are not living in a safe Meaning, meaning that they are leaving it in the middle of the sidewalk. So, and in the middle of the pathway, and some of us have mobility issues. So, I am against it. I am against it. Thank you. I'm, I'm done. Thank you, Ms. Maddox. The next caller, Madam Chair, is William Davis. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, I think the basic part of the ordinance is good, but more work is needed. Especially as a city of Detroit retiree, I'm, I'm concerned that there might be more litigation against the city of Detroit. The city of Detroit should be completely and totally held, uh, you know, free of any possible um, lawsuits. I also, I have a concern about the fact as a senior and many of the people I represent, thousands in the city of Detroit, have concerns about the fact that frequently these scooters are all over the place across the sidewalk to make trip hazards for seniors in general and others, especially if you have any type of uh, disability, be it visual or just coordination. I, I think this still needs some more work and uh, hopefully y'all could do some more work and bring it back more improved. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Chair, the last caller before you cut off public topic is caller number ending in 266.
Caller in then 266, you're being moved over as a panelist. Please unmute yourself. You have one minute. Caller in meeting 266. Ms. Mitchell, have you unmuted them? Yes, I've asked them to unmute. Okay. We'll give them a few more seconds. Caller in meeting 266. Going once. Going twice. Going three times. I apologize that we weren't able to hear your comment. Thank you for calling in. I know that sometimes we have some issues with folks calling in uh, by phone, so apologies. But do thank everybody for calling in and for making your comments. There were a number of questions. Um, I will turn it over to our vice chair that wanted to make a quick comment, I believe, after um, uh, Ms. Maddox uh, made her comment, and then I'll turn it over to our panel to wrap up the rest of the questions that we've heard from the from the public, Vice Chair. All right, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, just a quick question. Knowing that uh, one out of four Detroiters is under or unbanked, how are we allowing those who most likely will live in our neighborhoods to access this service, mm -hmm. um, since these are typically cash-less um, operations? Chief? So through the chair, um, another fantastic question. Um, our goal is to inquire with the scooter companies uh, on what tools they have available. Um, you know, I, I've heard of uh, solutions where, uh, I can't remember where it is in the city of Detroit, but you can take your cash to a machine, you can convert it, you know, at no fee to uh, like a prepaid visa or MasterCard or whatever it might be, right? Um, and so I think, you know, the, the ability to leverage a technology like that uh, and then allow those cards to actually be loaded to the accounts for these types of solutions uh, is certainly one option. Um, but part of why we want that two-year period, uh, you know, for the application is so that we can continue to learn about these types of options for uh, unbanked uh, individuals and then try and, uh, you know, uh, offer preference uh, to companies that are incorporating solutions like that to make, you know, not just vehicles more accessible in terms of geographic location, but vehicles more accessible to a broader array uh, of potential consumers, uh, like what we're describing right here. So uh, that's that's kind of where we're at at the moment, um, but uh, we, we would be relying uh, primarily on the scooter companies uh, to bring us solutions that work in their system, uh, at least at the onset. Uh, right. But this is a topic that that is very broad and, and would love to continue the conversation uh, with, with city council and other entities in the city and be part of the solution for this uh, long-term. And I hope you'll encourage the uh, companies to find a solution for that as well during the uh, process. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. As a follow-up to that question and a comment that was made by one of my residents regarding a monthly subscription, don't know if you have the answer to this, Chief, but I think it's a really good idea to also work with them on some kind of monthly subscription where your minutes, your time rolls over. Um, so if you don't have a, a card or um, a, a debit card or, or the app um, that you're able to maybe swipe, not sure what it looks like, but I'm sure somebody very smart can figure that out. Um, I think it's a good idea for us to look into. I will go over um, the, a number of these questions that we were able to to capture. If I miss anything, please do 
um, relay in, in answer to a question that, that you might have heard that I missed. But I'm going to go, um, I'm going to make, make my way back to the questions that, that I heard. Uh, so there was a question around where scooter, scooters can currently be ridden. Um, and I'm just making an assumption here, but due to the fact that we don't have an ordinance as a kind of a free-for-all because we don't have the geofencing, um, so when residents, see fun, uh, when residents see scooters all over the place, that's because of the lack of ordinance and control that we have, Chief? Uh, so, Madam Chair, I think there's definitely some accuracy in your comment there. What I would say is, uh, again, we it's been a voluntary program in terms of compliance from the uh, the scooter companies operating today. Um, we have used geofences. Um, okay. I will say that you know, uh, in most cases, they have been respected. They've been implemented. Uh, in some cases, um, you know, whether it's an issue with with an operator system or whether it's maybe uh, a desire to see how long they could go without complying, uh, we have seen some of that. Um, but this ordinance will give us the ability again to have uh, what I just referred to as teeth towards the, the scooter companies to ensure that they follow uh, the, the compliance, such as geofencing. Thank you. There was a frustration um, shared about uh, the scooters being left in the middle of the sidewalks. And there was also a question about um, docks. Would there be somewhere where they can park? Can we geofence parking um, if someone decides to leave a scooter in the middle of the, of the sidewalk? Can it maybe bing them and say, no, you can't park here? move a little further up. Um, have there been creative conversations around how to control the scooters in the middle of the sidewalk? So Madam Chair, um, thank you for, for elevating this question. I believe it was uh, was Miss Matt, Maddox uh, that had brought mm -hmm. this up. And, and I actually heard her say this, you know, several months ago, back in the summer of this past year, and had written that down. I actually have it still on, on my desk uh, from that original comment. But, um, you know, the, the parking uh, is a major issue uh, across the city, and especially within her community. Um, and so part of what we want to do, we can create a geofence that says, here's where vehicles need to be parked. But the problem is, think about it, it, you know, it sounds like you've been a rider of these scooters before. There's no screen that kind of helps you navigate mm -hmm. on that vehicle today. Um, so how do we help the scooter companies uh, communicate with their riders on where these parking zones are? So for our pilot that we wanna roll out uh, as soon as this ordinance passes, we're gonna pick a few select areas and start to work with those local community members. You heard another caller come in and say, we're the ones policing this. We're the ones that are making sure that these vehicles aren't littering the sidewalks. I don't know if that means that they're picking them up, but they're calling you know, the city. We do get some calls today, um, you know, so on and so forth. But we, we wanna identify the right mix of those sorts of um, you know, connections, if you will, uh, to create these zones and then figure out how we work with the scooter companies to uh, help them uh, you know, navigate their riders to these zones, right? There has to be a method of communicating that to, to the end rider. Because uh, what I don't want to do is create a situation where then uh, you know, we start uh, penalizing the scooter company and they just pass it on uh, and penalize their riders or something, right? That's not the intent of, of creating the right dynamic here in the city of Detroit. Um, so we really want to take a, a staged approach, but this ordinance gives us the ability to start that um, and, and then have a lot of discussion with the community about, about what this looks like. But you know, that's part of why we need to know what technologies they have. Some of them are, are implementing augmented reality where you can actually take your phone and, and you can scan the area around you and it'll put a little box mm -hmm. through your camera that displays on your screen. This is where you park, right? So it's actually not even marked on the ground, but it's all digital. Um, so 
but that requires rider education. That requires these touch and feel events that, that Sherelle hosted last year. We want to continue to host this year. Uh, you had, you know, one of the callers, you know, call in and, and speak, you know, positively about that experience as well. So, uh, so that's our approach right now. And please let me know if I didn't fully answer your question. Thanks, Chief. No, that was very helpful. Just a few thoughts that came to mind is, yes, utilizing the app itself that might show you a map of where to where to park. Miss um, Maddox mentioned more public education. Um, what if we put some funding behind um, some political education, public education around ridership, um, you know, call them good actors, good neighbors, those that that, that follow the, the parking requirements or um, suggestions. I, I think, I believe that people want to do good um, and, and showing them how to do so will, will lead them to, to, to do just that. Um, so some education, some engagement um, with that lens I think would be very, um, very beneficial. Happy to hear that we do have um, black operators in the city, excited to, to bring them along um, and uh, allow them to, to, to grow their, their footprint here in the city as well. Um, going through, again, making my way back, we had a number of folks calling in in support um, regarding the ordinances, regarding this ordinance. There was a question about whether this will be docked or dockless. Chief, do you want to um, go into that a little bit more or do you feel like you've just, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Yes. Thank you, Madam Chair. So apologies for, for forgetting to comment on that one. Um, so we believe that the long-term solution in the city of Detroit could look like a mix of docked versus versus undocked, right? Um, there are there actually is a, a docked solution that has been uh, piloted here in the city of Detroit. It's over at the IDEW uh, in Corktown, um, and that actually happened partially because the IDEW wanted to gain some experience about installing these types of stations, right? Educate their workforce, uh, and so I think that there's opportunities to to tie these elements in together uh, over the long term. Uh, but we're we're looking at those types of solutions. Uh, what we need to understand though is that dock is a separate company from the company that's operating the scooters, right? Uh, and so um, part of what we think we need to do is create the right situation where we have some of those types of solutions out there uh, and they actually recharge the vehicles. So it's not just you, you have to dock it, but it actually provides a benefit. That actually is a direct benefit to the companies. It's expensive for them to hire people to go out, collect all these vehicles, charge them overnight, redistribute them. If they can charge while they're docked, that becomes a, a, an advantage. But um, that's something that, that we probably need to look at a little bit further here in the city of Detroit. What's our role in that, right? Do we own the docking stations? Do we you know, just uh, issue uh, you know, permits to those types of pieces of infrastructure too, and then collect a fee from that, right? Those are things that we got to work through. Um, primarily though, right now we're just focused on what is the right model for where parking you know, could and should exist, how it gets communicated to the riders uh, and then how do we uh, create the type of partnership uh, with the existing community members that can help us with enforcement or help us with outreach, education, awareness, uh, those sorts of things. So it's definitely on our, our list in terms of the dock. But right now, you know, this, this ordinance covers uh, all dockless solutions. Uh, we don't have any docked um, uh, scooters today. So, Thank you, Chief. My, my last comment is, re is regarding... Um, your your a, a part of your statement regarding education and engagements um just 
Um, not all scooters have a very clear logo. You don't know which scooter they are. So if it could be included in the ordinance that, um, or as a, as a best practice, that we have very clear logos that folks can see, especially as they're driving maybe too fast down the road that you might want to report that. Um, just being very clear uh, regarding which company um, is, is out on our, on, our, on our city streets. I will turn it over to my colleagues for any final questions. I, uh, before we uh, close out this discussion, Vice Chair. Uh, just quick, one of the uh, comments that came from uh, Todd Scott and the Detroit Greenways Coalition was the adding the language were applicable for locations where scooters had to operate, especially since you brought the, the fact that if you're required to operate in a bicycle lane but it's not been maintained, there could be some um, obstructions. Um, how would that impact the ordinance? Through the chair, I would uh, ask uh, Attorney Arking to, to weigh in on this. Sure. Um, through the chair, I'm happy to do so. I appreciate the second to scroll to the correct section. Um, I believe Member Benson's question pertains to the operating standards in section 50. 9 um, which does reflect, excuse me, maybe section 57. Um, these provisions as to where um, scooters and other uh, mobility devices can operate sort of reflects the balancing um, that the, the chief mentioned earlier in this public hearing, uh, which um, is somewhat unique to Detroit in that in some areas it can be safer to operate one of these vehicles in the, the street and sometimes in the sidewalk, um, sometimes in a bicycle lane. And that can be very dependent from uh, one neighborhood to the next. So these provisions try and strike that balance effectively by allowing operation in the rightmost travel lane of the street um, or on the sidewalk where it does not create um, a, a danger to pedestrians and where the right-of-way can be yielded to pedestrians. Um, as it relates to bicycle lanes, it does state that if a given roadway has a bicycle lane, then it must be operated in that lane. And that basically reflects policy preference that um, if that resource, if the space is given to a bicycle lane, then that's the appropriate place rather than a sidewalk or rather than the travel lane of the street where it should be operated. So then back to the, uh, the concern, and if you look at section 47, it's 47, tech 10, tech 57, subsection 2 and 3. Uh, and subsection 3 indicates an automobile lane of a public right-of-way, the operation of a shared electric personal mobility device is authorized only in the curb lane or rightmost lane adjacent to the parking lane as applicable. And if you were to drive down Woodward uh, between Midtown and downtown, the railroad tracks are in the rightmost lane, which is where this ordinance is requiring that scooter sands a bicycle <laughs> lane to operate. But those who travel on Woodward via non-motorized transit, i.e. bicycle, know that's an extraordinarily dangerous place to ride just based if you get your wheel caught in one of the tracks, you could go for a tumble. And so in this situation, the, the request was, and the question was, 
is it possible to add the language where applicable because that's not a safe location to ride a scooter um, where it's being required as per this ordinance. In addition, um, in the wintertime, bicycle lanes aren't always maintained. Sometimes there's dirt um, after a great a huge snow. You could see lingering ice if we don't get a uh, plow through there within a couple of days. So just the language where applicable or we're safe to do so. Is there an issue yeah. with adding that language? Uh, through the chair, I believe the direct answer to your question is no, although I'll, I'll defer to the chief on direction and you know, in coordination with, with this honorable body as to exactly how it should be revised. As a technical matter, it's entirely doable. Uh, um, I would also comment, though, um, under that response, that subsection A3, as to the operation in, um, in the rightmost or curb lane, applies only to when operating in the automobile lane of a of a public right of way so that what that section actually says is only when you're in the automobile travel lanes then you should be in the rightmost lane um, again expressing the policy preference that you shouldn't be in the left lane passing lane while on a vehicle that's capped at i believe 15 miles per hour um, that's not safe to the rider or other pedestrians that section would not apply if you are not in the automobile travel lane. So to your example of Woodward, uh, lower Woodward where the streetcar um, tracks are located, um, that provision specifically would not prevent a rider from operating on the sidewalk, which between the tracks and the street and the width of a sidewalk could foreseeably be safer uh, to the rider and to the general public than riding on Woodward exactly to your point. Okay, and then subsection two. Subsection two is somewhat more prescriptive and perhaps that's the object where some revision could be more helpful. It does state um, currently that if a bike lane exists, then it, the these devices must be operated in that bike lane. Um, if there's a policy preference to provide some greater flexibility to accommodate the circumstances that you identified, such as blockages or um, deterioration of the conditions in that bike lane um, to allow under those circumstances uh, operation on the sidewalk or in the travel lanes, for example, um, as needed, that could that accommodation could certainly be, be written into subsection A2. Would that be an easy motion today without requirement of a, another public hearing? I, I believe that would be a minor change to what is being proposed. Um, it's not my understanding that, that such a minor change to that particular subsection would require a new public hearing. I'd work with um, this body and, and the chief to figure out the exact language and could um, turn around a new, a new draft relatively quickly. If that's the case, and I would hope to get the uh, support of my colleagues on something as minor as that, that could have a major implication about how this ordinance is deployed and adhered to, would be to make the motion to make the modification to subsection 2 of section 47, TAC 10, TAC 57, 
alpha to add the words were applicable or were safe to do so. And I would look to the law department to bring forth some type of language there. Just really want to make sure that we're strongly encouraging to operate within those bicycle lanes, but not penalizing or subjecting someone to, pen to penalty if the lanes have not been modified, they're not safe, there's other obstructions, something of that nature. I sure is that an official motion then That's to make that yes. amendment? All right, so there's been a motion to add that amendment, which I am in support of as well. Are there any objections? Hearing none, this body's requesting that small amendment to be made to the ordinance. Thank you, Vice Chair. And thank you to the law departments, I believe. Um, if this is to be moved out today, we would just need the amended um, ordinance uh, when we get when we vote on it at, as a full council. Are there any other questions from my colleagues or comments? Hearing none, I really appreciate everybody's time. Um, Dr. Powers, one quick question for you. Do I close out our hearing before asking for a motion to move this out or all together before we close out? Um, if I may. Yes. Um, you would want to get an, um, a motion to move this ordinance to formal session as, as amended. Mm -hmm. And then you would close the public hearing. Thank you, Dr. Powers. You're welcome. Is there a motion then to send this to formal, the, the ordinance to formal session as amended? Motion. With the recommendation to approve. Hearing no objections, this ordinance will be sent to formal session with the recommendation to approve as amended. Madam Chair? Yes, Vice motion Chair. Motion to send a new business unless there is some objection from my colleague. Are there any objections to sending this to new business? Hearing none. This will be sent to new business with the recommendation to approve as amended. Thank you. Thank you, Member Calloway. Do you have any? Yes. No, no further discussion. Thank you. Madam Chair. Vice Chair. Just do yourself to the administration. Will you be able to get this uh, ordinance amended into my colleagues for a vote tomorrow? That's too long to the administration. Would this be possible to be turned around by tomorrow? Um, to the chair. Um, on behalf of the law department, I can say that we, we will do everything necessary to have a new version submitted to the Corporation Council for approval to form and, and submitted um, on a timely basis. I'll get to it immediately following this public hearing. Thank you. Madam Chair, yes. to yourself, to the law department, Mr. Arking, I have every faith in you. You've shown superhuman abilities in the past, and I don't doubt that you'll be able to perform in this situation as well. I will, I will do everything possible to meet that expectation, ever so slightly. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, with that, um, this has been sent to new business. Thank you all so much for being here, for discussing this with us. And thank you to the public for your engagement. With that, I will now close our 10-15 public hearing and move us along to the rest of our agenda. We do still have the rest of our agenda to go through. So apologies if I go through the rest of this rather quickly. Um, we will move on to unfinished business. 6.1, this is a line item that was um, requested during formal session. This is a request to restore the high quality to municipal bus services in the city of Detroit by increase, increasing budget, budgetary funding to the Detroit Department of Transportation and expressing respect to Detroit Department of Transportation coach operators and drivers. This was a, um, again, the line item that was made during formal. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. 
Thank you. Wondering if there is any updates from the administration. Um, Mr. Washington, I, I believe these were all questions that were um, that do directly impact the administration's ability to support um, our bus service. Wondering if you have any updates or if you would like some more time to respond to this one item. Noting that we are having a discussion with DDOTS in, in the near future regarding a number of uh, questions and concerns that we've heard from the public. Um, yes, Madam Chair, if we could have additional time to uh, respond to this item. Uh, how much time would you like, Mr. Washington? Um, if we could just bring this back in a week, I should be able to have an update by then. We will um, it, We will need to bring this back in two weeks. Is that okay? Yes, that is fine. Is there a motion to bring back 6.1 in two weeks? Motion. Without objection, 6.21 will be brought back in two weeks. Madam Chair? Yes, Vice Chair. And I, I know that you're already on this. I'm just really looking forward to having a discussion, line-item discussion with uh, DDOT. We have a, just a wide variety of issues we'd like to talk about. And so mm -hmm. looking forward to that day coming in the future. Yes, no, me too. Um, and we'll make sure to share that out publicly as well so that folks are tuned in. Moving us along to 6.2, this is a memo relative to demolition contracts from Member Waters. Um, is there a motion to discuss? Thank you, Member Waters, I defer to you. Noting that um, admin did indicate there was a response sent out on February 10th. Did you receive it? Uh, we received it, motion to receive and file. Okay, are there any objections? Hearing none, 6.2 will be received and filed. Moving us to 6.3, this is a request from our office to review the physical conditions and state of residence at the Russell Woods Apartments. We had a discussion about this last week. We did ask that we receive the information in writing, which we did. Is there a motion to receive and file 6.3? Without objection, 6.3 will be received and filed. 6.4 is contract number 6005050. This is using 100% DWSD funding, which will be reimbursed through ARPA. We had a full discussion regarding the full lead service line repra replacements at various locations throughout the city. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. Thank you, Vice Chair. I believe all we needed was updated language. I will ask our director to join us to let us know um, if the clerk has received the language. Um, any other updates you would like to share with us before we move this out to new business? Director, whenever you're ready, stating your name and title for the public. Yes, Gary Brown, Director, Detroit Water Sewer Department. Thank you for joining us. And who, who do we have with Deborah you? Pa Deborah Pass Peach, General Counsel for the Water Department. Thank you both for joining us, Director. I, I, I'd just like to share that every other week my board of directors meets, and if there are any concerned contractors that come before you, mm. if you would just direct them to our board meeting, we do have diversity and inclusion office that can help them there. We also have our procurement team that can point out where the contracts are uh, going forward. So we meet every other week, and they're certainly welcome to come and, and uh, get that information. Um, so the, the issue was what could or could not be placed into the contract. And uh, our legal team has uh, researched this. And uh, there are two buckets of money that DWSD uses. Normally, uh, it's from rates, uh, which we bond. And we have a $500 million five-year bond um, that we use to rebuild the system. We certainly can use th those dollars uh, to have 
preferences in some of the contracts, but this is ARPA money. This is federal money, and we can't put a geographical vendor location as a preference in the contract. However, we did go back to try to create some language that uh, would not get us outside of the federal government's rules, but keep us and hope, hopefully that you would accept it. Um, and it states in the contract that the contractor is signed, the contractor will work with the Detroit Employment Solution Corporation, DESC, to identify qualified candidates for priority hiring to work on this project as much as practical. Secondly, after the meeting last week, we asked the, con the contractor to come to Detroit and have a meeting with us and the DESC. Uh, we had that meeting. Uh, they've agreed that the DESC will create a hiring priority agreement. The contractor has agreed to sign that agreement. We're waiting uh, for DESC to present that hopefully today. Uh, thirdly, this, is, uh, this contractor is a union shop, and um, executive order, the language in executive order 202102 for publicly funded construction projects, if a contractor contracts for labor through a union that is meeting the goals set forth under the Detroit Skilled Trades Employment Program, the contractor will be deemed to have met the workforce target with respect to the labor to labor for which it is contracted through such a union. Uh, this contractor has explained that they use uh, the pipe fitters union, they use the plumbers union, and they use IBEW. So we're setting up similar meetings that I'm gonna sit in with this contractor and with the unions to make sure that they know that they can provide employees and they've agreed to uh, have one third uh, pipe fitters, one third plumbers, one third IBEW, whatever it takes to get union shop in here. And so the, the urgency, which I hesitate to, to make your emergency, but the, 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 the urgency is um, this, this contractor can't get into Detroit, sign a lease for property, start hiring and training employees, bring in equipment until they, they have a contract uh, in place. And so uh, as, you, as I indicated last week, we also have another five to six vendors coming on a $45 million contract right behind this one that will need to do the same thing. Uh, again, the Detroit-based businesses that do this type of work, Lakeshore, Inland, and Major, have $333 million in 24 contracts just with DWSD. And as you know, Lakeshore is doing work um, for demolition. They also just got a contract with the city of Flint to do their work. Uh, Five Star from Wisconsin has indicated to us that they're also bidding on work uh, with DTE to do uh, gas main line replacements uh, for that city. And there is so much money in the system right now around the state, we need to really lock down these contractors in order to be able to uh, spend $100 million. And so um, I want to assure you that the Detroit-based businesses, $333 million with me, they have as much or more with the Great Lakes Water Authority, and they're working for other city departments. So the capacity is really the issue, as well as the cost. This contractor came in $5 million per line, 
less than the other contractors from Detroit that had preferences that would normally get the preference points. Um, and so we don't really have a good reason not to award this contract, and we have many reasons why uh, if we really are concerned about eliminating the risk to our kids and our grandkids that we get started on this program. So my ask is if this, this committee, if the three of you are comfortable with moving it to new business, uh, we'd ask that to happen. Um, if not, at the very least, uh, it's our understanding that the Committee of the Whole meets in two weeks. Uh, we certainly will have the signed agreement between the DESC and the vendor uh, by then, and uh, we'd like to move the contract forward. Thank you, Director. Just quickly, happy to hear about the efforts that are being made to hire locally. Um, if we can see a, a metrics of, of what that actually looks like once, if and, if and when they receive the contract, um, I think that's a good accountability on their piece to know that council is going to be asking for those results. Um, something to, to note and something that I would like to see, um, again, if and when they receive this contract. Will do. Thank you, Director. Understood. Vice Chair. All right, thank you. Um, glad to see that you all went back and, uh, and put some more thought into the language, and I'll just express my concern still, is the word practical in that language. So for me, we will ensure we're practical. And so we're giving them a shall, but we're also giving them the flexibility to not execute. So can you just speak to that word practical language and the will language for me coming to conflict? It's a legal term of art, practicable, that uh, I personally added to make sure that we do not run afoul of federal regulations of that word will, shall. So that that's the reason it's in there. Okay. Which then I'm going to just look to get a verbal confirmation here at this table. The intent is to ensure that we're hiring Detroiters and to ensure we're hiring black and brown Detroiters. Absolutely. That is the intent. Absolutely. Letter of the law may not allow that. Are we, are you all committed to the intent? Absolutely. As we are with many other contracts that we've put in place, ITRON being one of them, we've, we've fulfilled our commitment on that. I just want to make contract. sure that people hear that. Yes. Next is going to be my concern. You supporter of organized labor. But a commitment to use organized labor also does not mean that you're going to get black or brown Detroiters doing that work. We, How are we going to ensure that we're still meeting the intent while ensuring that we're getting high quality labor utilizing union shops? That, that's, that's an ex excellent question. We've had that discussion a, a lot in my office. The first priority is opportunity for Detroiters. Um, a lot of this work is labor, mm -hmm. and we intend to, as I indicated, I have $5 million to hire Detroiters. I intend to uh, initiate uh, an internship program where they can work with these contractors to learn the work uh, and work for DWSD. So on many fronts, uh, the $5 million that we put in for small mom and pop, mm -hmm. uh, the emerging business uh, fund uh, will also do that. And so we're not looking for any one thing to make sure that Detroiters are getting the opportunity of these dollars. We're, we're looking at it from many different angles. Okay. And through the chair uh, to Councilmember Benson, also CREO is monitoring 
how these unions, their hiring practices, mm -hmm. they have separate agreements that require them to recruit Detroiters um, to work on labor jobs. So we're relying on CREO as well to help with enforcement and hiring of black and brown residents. And I appreciate that, but also understanding that often those goals are met. And when they're not met, there are penalties, which are financial. Then also understanding a financial penalty on a contract that's publicly funded means that those penalties then are funded by the public. And so we find ourselves in a vicious cycle. So I'm going to go back to the intent. I want to see black and brown Detroiters hired. We have these large contracts. These dollars will be coming for quite some time, just knowing that the infrastructure around water has not really been updated in decades. And now we find ourselves in a situation and an awareness that we really do need to take a round turn and improve and reinvest in our water infrastructure. So this is a great opportunity. I right now have a water test at my home to verify that my water at home is safe to feed my fa to, to, to give to my family. I'm hoping that others will take that same opportunity because it's free and it's a great service that uh, GLIWA and uh, DWSD provides. But for me, it still goes back to want to make sure we get Detroiters, black and brown Detroiters hired. And that's the intent. Very difficult to enforce based on our own constitution and other laws that supersede. But just want to make sure that we do not use this opportunity to say and then not actually have the intent to implement. I want, and you all said you plan to implement. It is your intent. And I appreciate that. But I just want to make sure that we're being open and transparent here when it comes to some of the uh, the obstacles that make that doable. You have our word, that is our intent. And there's a great incentivizer here. There's another contract coming for 45 million that these contractors are going to want to, to bid on. And for the next 10 years, hopefully, we'll have the dollars available to rid ourselves of all the lines. And so if we're tracking the metrics and we see that contractors aren't living up to the intent, then we certainly will adjust the next contract. I just want to add, and I, I want to say I want to appreciate you all. Number one, you all went back, you took on the rain damage, and you came back with some language that you are trying to do to, be, to meet the intent despite the obstacles of doing so. So I really do want to say thank you. thank you for doing that and recognize that fact. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. Thank you. We have a few more questions from Member Waters. Yeah. All right, so thank you, Madam Chair. I, I don't have any questions. I just have a comment. I, I just want to say... Um, ditto to Member Benson. Um, and secondly, I want to say that I cannot speak for GLIWA, but I can certainly say for sure that for DWSD, Director Brown is always so open to um, receiving uh, uh, recommendations for, for black and brown people, you know, and um, I believe, uh, based on conversations that I've had with him, that he means what he says, and he's often so so very open to that. And so I wanted to encourage us, too, as members, to send recommendations to uh, DWSD because I believe that they will be very open to receiving them. So that was my comment. Thank you so much, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Waters, and agree. Thank you for taking all of our considerations and for implementing them. Um, it does go a long way. Colleagues, if there are no other questions or concerns, um, is there a motion then to send 6.4 to new business with a recommendation to approve? Motion. 
Hearing no objections, we will send 6.4 to new business with a recommendation to approve. Thank you both. Thank you. Have a great day. Moving us along now. Yes, Vice Chair. One last item. I'm hoping that DWSD staff has socialized this contract with my colleagues, and they have, and I strongly suggest that you do prior to tomorrow's vote. Thank you for the note, Vice Chair. Agreed. Moving us along now to new business under the Office of Contract and Procurement 7.1. This is contract number 6004783 using 100% city funding. This is to provide leadership academy training for police department's personnel. The contractor is Wayne State University. This contract amount is for $474,000 with $100, and this is for police. Mr. Washington, who do we have with us to discuss 7.1, and is there a motion to discuss? Thank you, Vice Chair. Madam Chair, if we could bring this item back to the end of the agenda, um, I do not see my representatives online. Okay. Without objection, we will come back to 7.1 at the end of our agenda. Moving this along to 7.2, this is contract number 3062802 using 100% grant funding. This is to provide 10 new flyer diesel buses. The contractor is New Flyer of America, Inc. They are located in, looks like, what is, looks like Atlanta, um, Aniston. I will confirm the state in a second, but this is for the total contract amount of $4,214,940 with 60 cents. Alabama. This is for um, Aniston, Alabama, and this is for transportation. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. And Mr. Washington, do we have somebody here with us to discuss 7.2? Um, yes, we have um, Director Oglesby online. If we can move our director over as a panelist. Madam Chair, he has been promoted. Thank you. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. If you wouldn't mind sitting your name and title for the public. Sure, Michael Oglesby, Executive Director of Transit for the City of Detroit. Thank you for joining us for 7.2, Director. Uh, do, 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 do. One, one quick question that I have is, um, it's unclear how much the cost per flyer bus is. Can you let us know what the cost is per, uh, per new bus? Uh, the typical talk, it's approximately $500,000, give or take. I believe these were at five fifty. It fluctuates based on the amount of, um, you know, bells and whistles that are put on. Understood. And I know that we, we, uh, we, we've heard of investments in hybrid buses or electric buses. Wondering why we're not seeing a hybrid or electric for this contract, why they're diesel, um, given that so many of us are, are asking that we transition over um, to a greener fleet. 
that's a good question. Actually, this is based off of something that was brought to city council quite some time ago. We have 2010 vehicles, very old vehicles out there. There were 48 of them at that time. We replaced 28, and then we re recently replaced another 10, which leaves 10 left. And this is just finalizing the last 10 of the final fleet. This has no reflection on the electric bus program and or zero emissions fleet replacement plan. But we will have both buses out on the streets. Correct. So in other words, right now we have to have buses on the streets. We're running a fleet. Uh, we're running an electric pilot program now, but we are not in a position to make a mass order because we do not truly know what the overall performance is. The goal of a bus is to make sure it lasts 12 years or 500,000 miles. The purchase of these vehicles um, as we move forward within the 12-year period, as we start morphing into the electric bus program, these will be phased out. But for right now, we do need the vehicles. Thank you. Any other questions from my colleagues? Vice Chair. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you for your question regarding the, uh, the purchase of more efficient buses. And so I have a, a personal rule against supporting um, ICE vehicles, but just understanding that at this level of operation, we're really, the industry's not there just yet. So are these buses, which are replacing the fleet from 2010, are they more efficient? Um, are they meeting our greenhouse gas goals? And if so, how are they doing that? Director? Yes. Uh, through the chair, yes, they are more efficient. Um, when I announced the 28 vehicles originally, one of the things we pointed out is that there was um, a 20% biodiesel included, which means that the NOx emissions are a lot better for a diesel vehicle. It still does not get to the zero emissions that we all want, but it does get closer as we start kind of zeroing in on our fleet replacement plan. Okay, I mean, can you just uh, talk about the fleet replacement plan? When do we plan to uh, transition from ICE um, over to uh, EV in the future? Yes, well, we have a fleet replacement plan that is actually created uh, based on an ordinance that City Council moved forward with, with uh, making sure that we're at zero emissions by, I believe it was 2050. So uh, between 2023 and 2031, we will be at 25% zero emissions. By 2032 to 2033, we'll be at 50%. By 2034 to 2037, 75%. And then between 2038 and 2050, that's 100%. Now that's given the technology today. Of course, this is a moving target. And as we move forward, we may be able to speed this up based on um, how the vehicles perform and technology as it moves forward. It's just like an iPhone. You know, you had an iPhone not too long ago and then um, and a year later, it's so much more advanced. I anticipate that this is what will happen with the electric buses. All right, thank you. And then looking at a uh, goal of 2041, looking at other municipalities, I, and I believe Seattle is at a place where their fleet is at zero emissions or near there. Why is it taking us so long versus what other municipalities have or even service providers have been able to achieve in the now? There are a lot of organizations that have stepped on on a limb with technology. The electric buses are proven to be functional, but they have not been proven to match the 12 year of 500,000 miles. Some of those locations may have decided to waive that and step on the limb. 
I believe in sustainability and longevity. Uh, that's why we're doing a pilot program to decide which bus is the correct one. Let me give you an example. There is an organization called Foothill Transit that moved forward with all electric vehicles. They were all pro-terrorists. As of today, they're trying to remove them all and go with hydrogen. That's because they jumped out and wasn't, they were in the forefront, but now they realize they need to pivot. We're trying to set up a solid zero emissions plan uh, for uh, the city of Detroit. And that just isn't just electric vehicles. It could possibly be hydrogen. We're looking at all of the above and we have put in for a grant for hydrogen vehicles to test also. And we'll make a decision from a performance standpoint, what's right for Detroit. So it sounds like we're moving our way towards the deep end, but we're not just jumping into the deep end, which may be the more prudent way to move forward with this situation. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. In addition, a lot of the organizations um, are moving forward and they did not have a fleet replacement plan. I was just uh, speaking at the Bus World uh, Conference on electrification. There were some folks on the panel, I believe they were in Texas, that are really moving forward with 50%, but they even admitted they don't have a fleet replacement plan. Uh, when I announced that I had a fleet replacement plan, they were surprised. How do you have that? Well, we were, we're doing our research and we're making sure that when we put our stuff on the street, it works. All right, thank you. And then just once again, uh, with you present, um, and I know the chair is working on this, looking forward to having a, uh, a deeper conversation with DDOT, um, existing operations, future operations, and how we move ourselves to be the, uh, the best transit provider in the country. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. Hearing no other questions and no other questions from me. Is there a motion then, um, and agree, Vice Chair, I look forward to having further discussions with our director um, in the near future regarding um, our bus services. And uh, wondering if there are no other questions, if there is a motion to approve 7.2. Motion. Are there any objections? Hearing none, 7.2 will be, will be sent to a formal session with the recommendation to approve. Thank you, Director, for being here with us. Moving us along, uh, Mr. Washington. Um, yes, I was advised by DPD that DC Hope is in attendance. Not sure if you would want to revisit that item or um, wait till the end of the agenda. If DC is available, yes, we can have that discussion. If not, we can go back. I do believe um, that she's in, a, in a, another call right now, but we can. Oh, are you available now, DC? Are you available to discuss now? Okay, uh, with that then, uh, DC, feel free to join us uh, in, the, in the main uh, table up here. Uh, is there a motion to discuss 7.1? Motion. Okay. Thank you, colleagues. And then DC, whenever you're available, you can join us up here in the, in the main table. Take your time. And then whenever you're ready, just there's a, a mic Please make sure to turn it on. It'll turn green once it's on. And if you wouldn't mind stating your name and title for the public. And again, for the public, we're discussing 7.1. This is contract number 6004783. This is going to use 100% city funding. And this is to provide leadership academy training for police departmental personnel. DC, if you wouldn't mind stating your name and title for the public. Yes, hi. My name is Second DC Hope, Kyra Joy Hope out of the chief's office. Thank you for joining us, DC. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing with us an overview of what this program will provide. 
So the overview is that this is a partnership with Wayne State University, and it is to expound and expand on leadership components for members of the police department. Um, it, it works on what you already have, and it builds leadership, uh, group discussions. It helps you in so many different ways. I am a recipient of it, um, and I have received my certificate as well. Um, it is established with the goal in mind for you to receive your MBA, and it is a crash course on that, and it's very, very powerful. Uh, you actually have about 16 credit hours that you crunch in there within the five months. And I think it is a worthwhile program. I have never experienced anything like that in going to school. And I believe that this is well-deserving of any recipient that will help them further their careers and aspirations. Yes. Thank you. Is it possible that we could receive, because um, what we have here, courses are held in the evenings, on the weekends. They can be compiled into two semesters. It talks a little bit about um, the sizes um, and... I guess it would be very, very helpful to, oh, the curriculum here, it says it, the curriculum includes um, management principles, management and strategies of human resources, communication skills for managers and leaders, um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion for managers and leaders, leading with influence and persuasion, leadership and personnel development. Um, are, is, is everyone receiving the same training? Do officers pick and choose? And also, which officers are, are, are receiving this training? Is it all of them? Do they have to apply? Is it those that are looking to, to be ranked at a, at a higher rank? So um, to answer your question, um, it is a curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, it is designed um, for to build that um, um, business certificate mm -hmm. and to further your education with your MBA. Okay. So these are perfectly strategically designed for that. And, yes, there is an application process uh, to apply. So it's very competitive as well. Um, but these are for our future leaders mm -hmm. of tomorrow and to help advance in their career paths as well as to give back uh, to Detroit Police Department. And hopefully there will be better, better individuals on the street with the knowledge and information that they have as well as to include budgets are in there. Um, just the whole global aspect of business management. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that is very, very successful, and it helps a lot for our department. And then just, just for further clarity, any officer can apply for this program then? These are officers who are seeking to be in leadership positions. Understood. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And then um, I know that we often hear of officers joining um, the police force and then leaving. This sounds like an amazing opportunity that I would want an officer that goes through it to stay in the city. Um, is there a requirement for you to be an officer with the city for a certain amount of time? Or how are we, how are we ensuring that the resources that we're investing are staying here in the well, city? I'm going to say this. These mm -hmm. are aspiring members who want higher leadership. That's correct. That makes sense. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, DC. Uh, any other questions? No? Okay. Well, thank you, DC, for the overview. We appreciate it. Thank you. Any other questions? Doesn't seem like it. Thank you for joining us. All right. Is there a motion, colleagues, to approve 7.1? Hearing no objection, 7.1 will be approved to send to formal with the recommendation to approve. We've discussed 7.2. 
7.3 is contract number 3061689. This is using 100% city funding. This is to provide emergency demolition at 12740 Al Alcoy. The contractor is Gayanga, located in Detroit for the total amount of 23748 Is there a motion to discuss or approve 7.3? Motion. Motion for approval. Are there any objections? Hearing none, 7.3 is approved to be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Is there a motion to discuss 7.4 and 7.5? Motion. Thank you. 7.4 is contract number 6004865. This is using 100% grant funding. This is to provide an environmental remedi remediation assessments, due care and environmental response activities to the Piety Hill neighborhood. The contractor is Central Detroit Christian CDC for the total amount of $450,000. This is for building and safety. And 7.5 is contract number 6003389. This is an amended contract uh, using 100% city funding. This is to provide an increase of funds for preventative maintenance and repair services for HVAC systems at DDOT facilities. The contractor is Johnson Controls, Inc. They are located in Auburn Hills for the total amount of 415000 549 with 33 cents. Are there any questions or discussion for 7.4 or 7.5? Discussion 7.5? Yes, Vice Chair for 7.5. Uh, could we start with the bid process and uh, when we're looking to open this type of work up to Detroit businesses, just looking at a HVAC contractor out of Auburn Hills. I know there are a number of Detroit-based businesses here in the city. Can you just talk about that, please? Yes. Um, Mr. Washington, do we have anyone here from the procurement office or from transportation that can discuss 7.5? Yes. Um, we have Garage Searles and Carrie Gerties. If we can move them both over as a panelist. Could we please have them to raise their hands? And can you re... re uh, repeat their name, Mr. Washington. Um, yes, that is Carrie Gerties and Garage Searles. And if they could please raise their hand so that they can be moved over as panelists. I was only able to promote Carrie and not barrage, Madam Chair. Okay. I don't see a barrage. Mr. Washington. I do see garages has been uh, promoted as a panelist. Great. We will give it a minute until our panelists are both on with us. Dr. Powers. Um, I just wanted to remind you that there's a one o'clock rules meeting. There's a one o'clock rules meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Powers. Okay. Thank you. We should be able to wrap up the rest of this agenda um, rather quickly. 
depending. We'll see. Uh, but thank you, Dr. Powers. Um, if our panelists wouldn't mind stating your name and title for the public. Yes, this is Carrie Gertis with the Office of Contracting and Procurement. Uh, good morning to this honorable body. My name is Gerard Searles with DDOT Plant Maintenance and Construction Division. Thank you both for joining us. Were you able to hear um, Member Benson's question? And this is for the procurement office. Ms. Uh, Vice Chair Benson, if you wouldn't mind stating your question again. Just looking at the contract, this is an extension, or uh, is an increase, I believe, of funds. Uh, but just looking that there are a number of HVAC repair operators um, that are Detroit-based and that don't see them as being part of this. And just how is Auburn Hills on this one able to uh, win out the bid versus the number of uh, local contractors who can do this type of work? Yes, hello, through the chair. Um, this is an amendment, so it was not bid out. Uh, originally, it was bid out. Um, this increase of funds is to get through the end of the contract process. Um, it's my understanding that DDOT will be placing this back out to bid um, in March, I believe, is that correct? To um, get the new evaluation and the new process uh, started. So this increase of funds for this amendment is just to cover through the end of the contract while we start the new procurement process. Okay, and so looking at this contract, it was approved through June 30th of this year. So the anticipation is that we'll see a new contract or at least put out to bid for opportunities for others um, to start that contract on 1 July. Um, it should be out to bid this spring. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Vice mm -hmm. Chair. And my only question is, and, and I'm sorry if you mentioned this, but why why are we seeing an increase of funds for this contract? Uh, through the chair, um, we experienced some unanticipated costs for some urgent repairs, um, equipment replacements following some major equipment failures. And that's primarily at our 1301 East Warren facility, um, the high pressure steam system that uh, provides the heating and cooling in that building. Um, we had some major equipment failures in the winter uh, that impacted our ability to heat the facility. And then again, in the summer, which uh, negatively impacted our ability to cool the facility. And uh, subsequently, we had some cost overruns on this contract due to those unexpected equipment failures. Thank you. I appreciate that, um, that overview. If there are no other questions, we were discussing 7.4 and 7.5 together. Is there a motion to approve 7.4 and 7.5? Motion. Hearing no objection, 7.4 and 7.5 are both approved. Thank you both for joining us. Moving us along to 7.6, this is contract number. Madam Chair, and sent to formal. Oh, and to sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Thank you, Dr. Powers. Um, and we are trying to get a, um, a confirmation if we can complete our committee before the rules. I could, it would still have to be called. Thank you, Dr. Powers. Um, but we're hoping to finish this and have them recess for us to, to, com to complete our agenda. Um, moving us along to 7.6, this is contract number. 
3809. This is using 100% city funding to provide an emergency demo at residential property 3389. Mudbury, this is the contractor, is DMC Consultants for the total amount of $28,000 with $80. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. Thank you, Vice Chair. Just wanted to get um, some clarity around what we're reading. The contractor and the address in the header of the contract reads DMC Consultants, but it does not match the contractor and address in the body of the contract, which reads Guyanga. Just wondering which information is correct and if we can receive a, a corrected um, a letter before this is voted on by, with the, by the full body. Mr. Washington. Um, Madam Chair, yes, we should be able to send that correction letter out. Um, and then we also have director counts as well as Ramona Jones online if you want to have questions with them. No other questions. Just wanted to make that note and, and request for a corrected letter. No. Thank you, Mr. Washington. If there are no other questions, are there any other questions for 7.6? Hearing none, is there a motion to approve 7.6? Motion. 7.6 is approved to be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Without objection, since I heard no objection. Moving us along to 7.7, .7, is there a motion to discuss 7.7 .7 se uh, through 7.9? Motion. Thank you, Vice Chair. 7.7 .7 is contract number 3062310. This is using 100% city funding. This is to provide emergency demo. At 13500 Arlington, the contract the contractor is DMC Consultants for the total amount of 17500 7.8 is contract number 3062361, using 100% city funding to provide emergency demo at 6150 Hecla. The contractor is DMC Consultants, located in Detroit for the total amount of 20000 <clears throat> And 7.9 is contract number... 306 using 100% city funding to provide emergency demo at 14154. Eileen, the contractor is DMC Consultants, located in Detroit for a total amount of 17500 We are discussing 7.7 .7 through 7.9. I do have more um, similar questions for 7.8 and 7.9. Um, Mr. Washington, not sure if you um, or procurement are able to confirm that the addresses on the header line um, do not match, once again, the, the address on the contract. So for 7.8, address in the header of this report is the same as the header line for 1.8, um, but it does not match, and the, the address of the, of the contract uh, does not match the address of the body of the contract. So here we need another correction letter, it seems, as well as for 7.9. Um, I see Ms. Sabatini that has joined us. Ms. Sabatini, if you wouldn't mind stating your name and title for the public. Um, good afternoon, Honorable Body. Lori Ann Sabatini, LPD. Those mistakes do not require a correction letter. That's on me in okay. LPD. So I will correct them before they go to formal and send them back to this body, but they do not require a correction letter to move forward. Okay, thank you, Ms. Sabatini. And I, you, for, for myself, I just wanted to ensure that we had the correct um, printed addresses before it gets voted on um, 
by the full body. So thank you for letting us know that you'll be able to do that. Thank, thank you. Thank you both. Are there any other questions for 7.7 through 7.9? Hearing none, is there a motion to approve? Motion. 7.7 through 7.9, there's a motion to approve. Are there any objections? Hearing none, these items will be sent to formal session with the recommendation to approve. Moving us along to the appeals and hearings department. 7.10 is a dangerous buildings findings and orders for January 3rd, 2023. Is there a motion to concur with the department's recommendations or the department's findings? Motion. With that objection, we will concur with the department's findings for 7.10. Under the Office of the Chief Financial Officer and the Office of Development and Grants, it is 1 p.m. Dr. Powers, um, the chair is going to let us continue a committee, but should I let her or, and she's here with, with us the, now the, to, the to. The chair has to call the committee to, okay. to order, and then she can recess it to the call of the chair, or if that's what you've both agreed upon. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Powers. And to our chair, we have only a few more items, if you wouldn't mind letting us complete this. Thank you so much. I have to recess and you have to you have to recess to the call of the Thank chair you. and then once that's the rules committee recesses to the call of the chair you have to call back into order your committee PHS yes thank you dr. powers with that folks we will recess PHS to the call of the chair do I call the meeting to order yes ma'am you have to call the meeting to order have the clerk call the roll and then um, uh, if there's no quorum, of course, but nonetheless, you need to recess to the call of the chair. Okay, you're going to walk me through it. Certainly. Calling the meeting, the rules committee meeting to order. And um, the clerk should call the roll. And the clerk, if you can call the roll, please. Council Member Angela Whitfield Calloway. Present. Council President Pro Tem James Tate. Council Member Coleman Young II. There is no quorum, Madam Chair. Dr. Power, what's the next move? So now you need to recess to the call of the chair, and then once uh, the PHS is done, then you'll have a quorum, no doubt. Okay, we're going to recess through the call of the chair. Thank you so much. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you, Madam Chair. With that, I would like to call to order once again our Public Health and Safety Standing Committee. May the clerk please call the roll. Council Member Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Council Member Scott Benson. Scott Benson, aye. Council Member Mary Waters. Present. You have a quorum, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you so much. Moving us along uh, to the end of our agenda now under the Office of Chief Financial Officer and Office of Development and Grants. 7.11 through 7.14 are all various grants. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. 7.11, thank you, Vice Chair, is a request to accept and appropriate the Transportation Economic Development Fund. This is through the Michigan Department of Transportation that has awarded the City of Detroit Department of Public Works with a Transportation and Economic Development Fund for the total amount of 303,127 to support the Eastern Markets project. 
7.12 is a request to accept an increase in appropriation for the fiscal year 2023 public health emergency preparedness, cities readiness in, a, in initiatives grants. This is through the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, which has awarded an increase in appropriations for the city uh, department's health, the, the Department of Health for the fiscal year 2023 public health emergency preparedness. 7.13 is an authorization to submit a grant application to the U.S. Department of Justice for the fiscal year 2023 Local Law Enforcement Crime Gun Intelligence Center Integration Grants. This is the police department is requesting an authorization from the city of, uh, of from the city uh, Detroit City Council to submit a grant to the U.S. Department uh, of Justice. And 7.14 is a request to accept an increase in appropriation for the fiscal year 2023 Michigan Family Planning Program grants. We are in discussion for all four of these grants. I'll start from the top regarding the Michigan Department of Transportation uh, award for the City of Detroit's uh, Public Works Department. Are there any questions or discussions for 7.11? Discussion? Yes, Vice Chair. Um, just looking at this grant, um, seeing that the Detroit Brownfield Redevelopment Authority is the consultant here on the construction services, is, uh, what is the capacity of the DBRA? I don't usually see them as being a contracting authority on grants. What's their capacity here? Mr. Washington. Um, yes, we have Deputy Director Dio Akayemi online for this item. If we can move over a deputy as a panelist. Hello, Deputy, if you wouldn't mind seeing your name and title for the public. Good day, Chair. Good afternoon. Dayo Akinyemi, Deputy Director, Department of Public Works, City of Detroit. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us. Were you able to hear our Vice Chair's question? I believe the question is about the capacity of DBRA um, to complete this project. We've been working with DBRA for over two years now on this particular grant. And they've committed that they have the capacity um, to be able to manage this project. They will not be doing the project directly as contractors. They will be they will be acting as a project manager, pretty much providing an extension to our um, staff, um, which is currently um, you know strained right now. So there will be an extension of our staff in terms of project management, and they will be overseeing the construction of this multiple projects that we have in this area for us. For yourself, Madam Chair, and why did you select the DBRA versus uh, the DBA to uh, do that management? So DBRA, which is, you know, um, as you know, affiliated with DEGC, mm -hmm. we, we have been working together on the grant. So we wrote the grant together. Um, they put in a whole lot of um, work um, on our behalf as well in soliciting for this grant and obtaining this grant. Um, so it was a collaborative effort from the get-go. Um, there's a lot of other business um, that they're bringing into the Eastern market. So it was a part of um, a collaborative effort 
um, to bring development into some abandoned or some unused um, site in the Eastern Market area and bringing businesses in and things like that. And we collaborated um, together to leverage infrastructure development in making sure that some of those businesses come to Detroit and in making sure that we activate um, some of these unused and abandoned um, properties in the Eastern Market area. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Vice Chair. Are there any other questions? Hearing none, I'll move us along to 7.12. Thank you so much, Deputy, for joining us. Thank you, ma'am. 7.12 is around the increase in appropriations for the health department's health emergency preparedness. Are there questions? Are there any questions or discussion for 7.12? Hearing none, I'll move us along to 7.13. This is regarding an authorization to submit a grant application for the local law enforcement crime gun intelligence center integration grants are there any other are there any questions for 7.13 hearing none i'll move us along to our final item which is uh, that we're discussing which is 7.14 this is a request to accept an increase in appropriations for the michigan family planning program grants i do have uh, a few questions regarding this item. Mr. Washington, is there somebody here to discuss 7.14? There we go, my apologies. Um, we have Andre Blair online. If we can move Andre Blair over as a panelist. Oh, my apologies, Madam Chair, was this 7.13? 7.14. 14. Yes, yes, Andre Blair. Thank you, Mr. Washington. Madam Chair, he has been promoted. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you wouldn't mind stating your name and title for the public. Good afternoon. Andre Blair, Operations Director, uh, Detroit Health Department. Thank you for being here. Um, if Thank you wouldn't mind sharing with the public what this grant will do, what what should we expect uh, through through this grant? Thank you, through the chair. So this grant is for supporting uh, family planning support, so clinical services, prevention services, uh, you know, expecting mothers services for them. This is all um, to go towards supporting that infrastructure. And what does that look like? What kind of services are we currently providing? Are we currently providing them or are we looking to yes, they, provide yes, them? Yes, we are. So, okay. So we are currently providing them um, and it's it's varying services, but again, you know, it, it revolves around uh, pregnancy support, uh, pregnancy prevention support, uh, clinical services, um, pregnancy testing, things of that nature. Okay. Would you happen to know, um, I'm, I'm assuming this is a, a specific department that's doing this work? Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, the programs are ran through the uh, health department, but this is um, 
which is part of the Michigan Family Planning Grant. So the, the work is done through uh, Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, so through our department. Okay. So people are able, so, you know, expecting mothers are able to come in, um, you know, get their clinical services. Um, they're able to come in, get tested for, to even see if they're pregnant. They're able to come in for uh, preventative care, contraception, things of that nature. Okay, thank you. Are there mm -hmm. any other questions? Hearing none, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Colleagues, is there a motion to approve 7.11 through 7.14? Motion. Hearing no objection, 7.11 through 7.14 are all approved to be sent to formal session with the recommendation to approve. Moving us down to the Legislative Policy Division 7.15, this is a resolution from our office urging the adoption of the Mutual Aid Box Alarm System, Michigan Mabus MI. We are asking for um, the administration, we're urging them to sign on to the Mabus agreement. Um, the, I don't believe we have somebody here, Mr. Washington, to help discuss 7.15. Madam Chair, we do not. No worries. Thank you, Mr. Washington. Just wanted to confirm. Um, my office has been working closely with the fire department. Um, late last year, they've asked us to support them with this resolution um, that would urge the administration to sign on to the Mavis agreements. They let us know that they have been in discussion with the administration, um, that they are looking into signing to this agreement. Um, so we are supporting them with the resolution and asking that my colleagues support us as well in approving 7.15. Um, I will make sure to have someone, um, when this is in discussion in, in front of the full formal session, um, to talk about the importance of this agreement. It sounds like um, the fire department would be able to be a part of this mutual aid system. Um, if, if something was to happen in, in the city of Detroit where we need some more support, some more staffing, some more equipment, they would tap into this mutual aid system that would support them with additional staff from other surrounding cities. Um, and it's, um, and I, I want them to, to, to be able to, to tell council um, really the importance of, of this and why they're asking us to support. Um, and I'll make sure that we have someone to discuss during the formal session. But in a nutshell, um, that is the, the, the mutual aid box alarm system um, that they're urging us to support them with, um, to, to, to have the administration su support with um, uh, this agreement. Are there any questions right now, or is there a motion to approve 7.15? Motion to approve. Thank you, Vice Chair. Are there any objections? Hearing nine, 7.15 is approved to be sent to formal session with the recommendation to approve. Um, thank you. We'll move on now to um, miscellaneous items. 7.16 is a memo requesting that let um, LPD draft a resolution recognizing March as Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. Thank you both. This is a memo through our office. We have been reached out by um, a number of organizations that are asking us to support with this uh, with this uh, resolution. Wondering, LPD, how much time is needed to draft? I was hoping it would be done, and I think it was put up about 10 minutes ago, or I found it there. So oh, okay. if you want to bring it back next week after everybody has a chance to read it, perhaps the best way to handle it? Okay. Um, if we Is there a motion to bring this back in two weeks? Motion. Hearing no objection, 7.16 will be brought back in two weeks. Thank you, LPD. 
Moving us along to 7.17. 7.17 is a memo relative to a traf traffic study request at Rosa Parks Boulevard and Canfield. And then, oh, is there a motion to discuss 7.17? Motion. Thank you, Vice Chair. I'm wondering if there's somebody here, uh, Mr. Washington from Public Works, that can let us know. How much time might be needed for this or any updates sure. regarding this request? Um, if we could bring this back in two weeks. Is there a motion to bring back 7.17 in two weeks? Motion. Hearing no objection, 7.17 will be brought back in two weeks. 7.18 is a memo through a pro tem Tate's office relative to questions regarding the parcel and property sale of Hans Group. Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. Thank you. I will refer to the law departments. Um, how much time will be needed for this item? Uh, through the chair, Graham Anderson Law Department. Uh, one week bring back should uh, be sufficient. All right, and just a note, we will not be here um, next week, so we're going to request for a two-week bring-back. Is there a motion to do so? Motion. 7.18 will be brought back in one week. And colleagues? I'm not sure what I said. Yes, two weeks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, colleagues. There's been a motion to bring back 7.18 in two weeks. This is what happens when I try to go fast. Um, thank you, Member Waters. There's been a motion to bring back 7.18 in two weeks. Colleagues, um, I'm going to request that there is a motion to send um, 7.15 to new business. This is regarding our, our resolution for Mavis, and we'll make sure to have someone from Fire Department there tomorrow to discuss. Member Waters, you made the motion. Thank you, Member Waters. There's been a motion to send 7. Point fifteen to new business. Hearing no objections, 7.15 will be sent to new business. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. Thank you, colleagues. We are now at member reports. Chair recognizes our vice chair. All right, thank you. I uh, just want to say thank you to everybody who came out for our HOPE application. We want to thank my colleague, Member Waters, and her staff uh, for partnering with us on that event. We had a great turnout. We were able to provide tons of services, and it was really um, impactful in the community and the neighborhood. And we had uh, so many people walk in. Um, people were able to walk away with the services they need and the confidence that they're going to be able to save their property. And so it was just great. And really want to thank those who came out. We had Wayne County Treasurer's Office. We had Willie Donwell and the Board of Review. We had you Snapback was there. We had um, Wayne Metro. Wayne Metro was there. Who else did we have? UCHC. UCHC was there as well. And so we had a number of service providers. Uh, Little Caesars uh, provided pizza and a great shortbread cookie that was unaware they produced um, to those who came as well. And so it was just a great way to support and having it at the uh, Hellman Recreation Center. We were able to support those programs there as well and all the families that just happened to walk up and were, that were unaware of those services. And so it was just a great productive day. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. Member Waters? 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Ditto to Chairmember uh, Benson. It was an exciting time. And so um, on this Saturday from 12 um, to 3 p.m., um, we will have a, a, a min hold a, a minority business workshop at Wayne County Community College Eastern Campus, and this is to either help people set up their business uh, or, and also to teach them how to do uh, business with the city of Detroit, get themselves registered, and etc. So that's this Saturday from 12 to 3 at Wayne County uh, Community College. This is part of the Minority Business um, Skill um, Minority Business um, Task Force. <laughs> All right. So, um, Madam Chair, I, I just want to ask you if. Um, if we could do a line item um, for, you know, to be brought on maybe a couple of weeks from now to have Creo to come and explain to us um, the the difference between small business and micro business. Mm -hmm. And we'll have a few questions for them. We will submit some questions in advance, but I'd like to be able to do that. Okay. Would you like to make that motion for... Oh, budgets. That should be a quick discussion. Yeah. Um, we do have budgets. Uh, the, okay. Ooh. So it would have okay. to be a line item for two weeks from now. Yeah. If you mm -hmm. want to make um, that motion to add discussion for Creo to, to, to discuss the difference between the small business and what was the other one? Micro. And the micro business for mm -hmm. two weeks? Yes. Okay. Um, motion. Okay, without objection, if the clerk can please add a line item for that would be the week of um, Monday, March 6th for a discussion with Creo um, to let us know the difference between a micro and a small business. So noted by the clerk. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Member Waters, are you all set? I am. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you both. Just wanted to briefly um, let everybody know that our office has begun to door knock um, for foreclosure prevention. This weekend, we were joined by Detroit DSA. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to be back on the streets this Saturday from 10 to 12. We are asking anyone that's available to join us. We have hundreds of doors to knock. So if you're available, please do join us this upcoming Saturday. Um, thank you to Member Calloway for your patience with us. Um, but if there's nothing else to come before us, uh, without objection, we are now adjourned. Thank you all so much.